Looks like we're good. I'm gonna get my microphone. Oh, I still have my controller in my lap. I'm slightly like, out of the way. There I'm we like, go. Why do I have this? <laughs> my webcam's all set up for a four-person podcast where I am two out of four. So <laughs> now I'm not, I'm I'm like caught a little bit off guard. All right, whatever. That doesn't matter. Uh, what are you gonna so do? I, uh, 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 fuck. I don't know. <laughs> um, panic. So I guess. Are, Welcome are we back going? Are to we go- two yeah. nerds save the universe, which is yeah, we, it's kind of funny because I like I just got done recording a two man uh, two nerds save the universe with Bird, and now I'm doing a two nerds save the universe with Wander, and we're just gonna somehow get a show out of this. We'll reconvene. <laughs> we will um, now have as many two person episodes as four person episodes at this point. <laughs> Uh, this Sunday, hopefully Bird will be back, but Shell oh, yeah. won't be here. Oh, no, 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 Shell will be here this Sunday. Uh, but then the next week, we're, I'm gonna be gone. Oh, yeah. Uh, so right now, Shell's busy uh, doing con stuff, and Bird's computer is basically eating itself. Yeah, he updated, uh, he updated his Windows 10. Like, he didn't update to Windows 10, he just updated it. And it fucked up his ATI drivers, and now his computer... And it, it updated automatically, to too. Screen. Yeah. And like well, he, it ends, it, and it, there's all these fun conversations going on right now in Slack where he'll be like, "Oh yeah, fun fun fact, everybody, uh, the Windows Restore feature activates ATI drivers, which causes black screen and stuff like that." Good like stuff. he just keeps saying things like that, which is great. Like he's he is doomed. This I computer problems mean, are awful, but they're really funny when they're not yours. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people were really mad at Nvidia for like kind of overblowing the 970. Mm-hmm. But at least my 970 has not betrayed me yet. My computer has not betrayed me yet in the last year, and I'm so happy. Yeah. It's been so consistent. I, I'm i sure you kind of remember all of my, like, rendering audio woes over the past couple of months. Totally gone. I have no oh, idea yeah. what happened to them. They, they've Magical just disappeared. Magical problems just happen. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. So, so you want to talk about I'm Book okay of Demons, it. right? Yeah, I just got done recording it like half an hour ago, and I kind yeah. of wanted to rant about it. So I've gotten several kind of angsty comments <laughs> uh, on my Book of Demons playthrough um, about it being a clicker game. And to be fair, the game does involve a comical amount of clicking in comparison to most other games uh, in like the past year or so. Uh, the only notable exception that I can think of are, well, clicker games, namely Chicken Assassin, which, for whatever reason, I did a full playthrough of, because I guess I had nothing better to do at the time. <laughs> I mean, they're they're addicting, I'll give them that, but uh, I that was actually the first clicker game I ever legitimately played, and uh, by legitimately played, I, I mean I automatically just opened up my auto-clicker and just rolled the game, because otherwise yeah, it would yeah, have months the- to complete. You started playing, like, clickers on accident almost on your channel at one point, didn't you? A little like bit, You didn't yeah. quite know what they I were mean, at the time? Chicken Assassin was definitely, like, I didn't even realize it was a clicker game. Um, there was, like, Plantera. Or I saw Plantera. you play some game where there was, like, I don't know if there was, like, a god or an idol or something, because the images blurry to me, but it all took place in, like, a grass field and little guys would run up from the left and right to this central that thing was, over and um, over again. That was Princess Nom Nom. Oh, yeah. that was, like... That's an Ichio demo, and it's totally, uh, it's, yeah, it's not really a clicker game, it's one of those where, like, you send your people out, they'll come back with things, it's like a, a very fast-paced clicker sim, but without, uh, clicker game, but without, like, the clicking. 
which was kind of refreshing, but we did like a couple we did a race on stream once, which was funny, and Bird kicked the shit out of me. And I was yeah. In in, in Book um, of Demons' case, the criticism's weird because it's a game where you run around on tracks through dungeons I mean, to fight monsters and pick up loot. It's Diablo on rails. That's yeah. the only way I can describe it. That's probably um, the most accurate like a, thing to call what it is. With like a weird card system. And it's I like I'm pretty okay with it. The rails are pissing me off just because there are a lot of ranged enemies. Oh yeah. And you like you can get blocked in by enemies and all the enemies can move like off the rails and wherever they want. Like so, just like, looking oh, at some footage of it, I kind surrounded. of got the feeling I'd get annoyed by it a little bit. Because there's yeah. rooms where it's like here's a treasure chest. And the rail goes in a giant square around the treasure chest. So that means because they, for some reason, wanted to center the treasure chest in the room, you now have to walk for longer in that room every time you go through a room like that. And that, that kind of looked yeah. like it was going to bother me. But the, the clicker criticism is weird, though, because it just yeah. in, it, it mostly relies on like this insistence on ignoring what genres mean. Because <laughs> it's, just, it's just not what the word means. Like, I... The funny thing is I got into a discussion with somebody in one of your comment sections about the idea because he was calling it a clicker and he kept arguing it's like, boy, you click a lot. And he kept saying that over and over again, like that was it was going to be more convincing. But based on that logic, like RTSs are clickers because of how often you click. And in this case, it doesn't fit because in this game, like Book of, Dun- Book of Demons is a Xbox One game also. And Oh, didn't realize. Yeah, it's on Xbox One. But also, don't you have a fixed attack speed? Uh, no. Yes and no. There is a limit to how fast you can click. I No, there isn't. Actually, I, I can totally just pull up, like, a auto-clicker script and ruin things if I want to. Is that actually in the game? Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, if I, if I wanted to cheese the game, I totally could. I'm just not going to because it's not really necessary. Like, yeah. you know, actually, it's not one of those clicker games where, like, eventually the auto-clicker script either kind of like takes over as kind of a necessity because your fingers are going to die or whatever but like this one this one's just kind of like in Diablo your character has like a, a fixed attack rate so like in a clicker script they just they just took that off and so I could like just murdenate the countryside if I really wanted to but that would kind of ruin the series so I'm not going to weird it's not chicken assassin where I literally don't care it actually seems really odd that they wouldn't try to limit the clicking yeah. speed or something but anyway, for it's those that don't weird. know, a clicker is actually uh, like almost like a slang term for a genre called the incremental game, basically. And those are just games where you click on something to make a number go higher, and then as you get more of that resource from clicking, you then uh, buy other things that also generate the currency at different rates, and that just keeps building and building. And you, it just—it's like it's l- the most literal skin, Skinner box ever of just like I'm making this thing get higher, and there's not really an end goal. But it's bigger, and I'm going to keep making it bigger. And so, like, you end up firing up, like, something like Cookie Clicker, where you click a cookie in the middle of the screen to make numbers go up. And then, eventually, you can hire grandmas to get more cookies, and then factories, and so on and so forth. And it's literally just... It's just a number that goes up. That's the entire game. And that's all it is. Turns out Shell burnt her fingers, so she can't uh, be plushing. So she will be joining us today. Surprise! Nailed it! (laughs) No, I I really wish I could, but it just happens to be right where I have to cut with the scissors. Yeah. You should probably grab your microphone, by the way. Otherwise, you're going to sound weird and distant. Live editing. <laughs> um, But, 
Yeah, so I actually have almost like never really played. I've never played any of the the normal clicker games. Bert and I did a a race with. Um, There's really no reason to, like, they're not yeah. games more or less. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, there's not like a thing to it. That you, you're, it's really like it just feeds on addictive tendencies of like I want to make this number bigger by clicking yeah. on things. And- there are some that are, like, kind of okay where they turn into management sims and you can just gather a resource a little bit faster. Like, I'm kind of okay with that that form, but they're very rare. And The, the interesting thing is that the moment you add too much exist. complexity to it, it stops being that genre anyway, and it just yeah, actually exactly. becomes a management sim. <laughs> yeah. And, That's like, a- I, I kind of like it, though, when there is a management sim where you can... Where you can even if it is kind of, like, boring or repetitive, you can bolster your resources... I think I just realized um, that ma- that clickers are the orcs must die of management sims. Because orcs must die are tower defense games where if you want to, you could run them into the thick of things and rapidly click to kill everything. But otherwise, like all the passive elements are still there to hopefully save the day. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. It's really it's, I just realized this really weird parallel where like it's a it's a genre that already exists, and then you add this element of actively interacting with it to try to help. And the difference is that Orcs Must Die always ends in like 10 minutes, so it doesn't escalate. But a clicker keeps escalating its resources so much that at some point it's actually totally pointless to try to click on it because it's just all the things that make the numbers go up actually make them go up uh, faster than even like a scripted auto-clicker can at some point. Like I've, I've, had this hor- I've had this horrifying game of cookie clicker open on my desktop and Why? I generate 1.8 billion cookies per second. And if I click it, I generate 74 million. And those are very different numbers, like massively different numbers. Like how so many... unless you like really wanted it, there's no point. Yeah, at 70 at a 74 million per click, how many times do you have to click per second to even catch up with your per second rate of getting 1.8 billion? Like I don't even that math is not favorable. It'd be like 20 times a second or more or something. Like that's Maybe the script could double your progress technically, but it's not. It'd be about. It'd be like 20, 25-ish. Yeah. Yeah, 20, 25 times per second. Like you might be able to do that if you're like really committed and you have like extreme Parkinson's. But <laughs> well, since we've uh, kind of skirted around a little bit, what what is your opinion of Book of Demons so far? I actually like it. Um. Like, I'm trying to remember. Did you play uh, Guild of Dungeoneering? Uh, yeah. So it's it kind of falls in the same like vein with the like card system and whatever. I don't know. I, like, it, it falls somewhere between uh, uh, Guild of Dungeoneering and um, and Hand of Fate. You know, but with like a Diablo style system because like. I really liked Hand of Fate's equipment system, but the gameplay was frustrating because it was game, kind of like the bat, gameplay was not as well made. Uh, Batman, Dark Souls, or Batman? Yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. Batman, not Dark Souls. <laughs> I it's been a while since I played, and I was thinking Necropolis. Oh uh, yeah, which is not, know, not as well made. Dark Souls, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, like Hand of Fate was tolerable because the rest of it conceptually was fun, but um, but uh. I don't know where you're know, going with like, that, do you? <laughs> I, I like I like Book of Demons. I like the idea of it more than um more than the actual execution. I think it's ultimately just early access 
which uh, which oh it is the early access this time i was jumping yeah. in to correct you because so often you're actually wrong about that <laughs> yeah no it's it's early access um and honestly like i think part of the reason why i like it is they've gone with early access but the game itself is complete uh, yeah. from what i can tell like it's, it's like, missing it's two like classes. Uh, what's it called darkest dungeon where yeah. the early access original launch of darkest dungeon and the version that we have right now is functionally almost identical there's a few it's different mechanical changes and there's a stuff, few different yeah. like uh there's corpses now and uh, two new classes and stuff like that but like it's it plays exactly the same i actually spent a lot of time comparing the two of them and this is part of the reason why people got pissed off at me because yeah. i was complaining that um i was complaining that darkest dungeon was kind of a little repetitive after a while that you know it was a deep game, but it wasn't deep enough for the length of content that it took to beat it all. And people got angry at me for this because Dark, you know, ooh, you know, how can you compare Darkest Dungeon to this dumb clicker game? And it's like, it's not a clicker game. And I would say Darkest I, Dungeon probably looks like it's, it has more depth than this game does so far. Oh, but, absolutely. But yeah, once you get to, like, as, as somebody who's beaten Darkest Dungeon before in its earlier incarnations where it seemed better paced and has tried to force himself to keep playing through the modern version of the game and its ungodly number of bosses and every and everything like that uh yeah the the current current version of darkest dungeon i don't think necessarily has enough variety and depth to it just to support being like 100 hours long cuz it's yeah. incredibly long now after where's, multiple patches where's like book of demons for me you can't grind you can't go back and repeat levels which, like, for the first two episodes, I was like, how do I how do I go back and grind? Because I'm so keyed in for that, for, you know, Diablo-likes. You know, if I'm having trouble, I have to go back and grind. They don't let you do that. You are... The game automatically adjusts its difficulty to, like, kind of suit your needs and, like, you know, be just challenging enough that you're, you're, you're forced to, like, actually consider your decisions and not just, like, click-spam your way through the game. Which, like, I think part of it is I like the game because I respect it. The execution is still super frustrating for my part. Like, the game uses really heavy use of status effects, and I find myself more often than not, like, sandwiched between two boulders, can't move because I'm surrounded with spiders, <laughs> on fire, also frozen for some reason, and poisoned, and I'm, like, screaming. <laughs> um, and I, got, like, I, actually... I gotta say with this game, like, just on that topic, like, uh, giving it a shot, I I'll probably try to do, like, a one-off episode just to test it so I can actually know what it's like exactly, but... I will say that every time I've looked at about any video or gameplay of it, it does not look like my jam so it, far. It, it, I think it's one of those games that it's almost more fun to play, and truly I do think it belongs on mobile first, um, but it's not fun to watch. There are a number of like games there that just aren't worth watching, period. Like, uh, Cryptarch was a really fun game, and I think kind of mm -hmm. goes in the same vein of really frustrating really fun but not exactly enjoyable to watch because it's so self-similar and um chaotic that it's just like i don't know what's going on and i don't feel like dealing with it that's an interesting thing about the concept of people watching stuff in the first place is that uh you if you have like an, a hardcore audience that's super into the specific game you can get away with a lot sometimes but there's a lot of games that people only are going to watch because it's on your channel, but they never had any interest in the game, and watching it hasn't sold them on it at all. And so for those mm -hmm. kinds of games, like, say, Scrap Mechanic, where I, I guarantee you it, like you have a huge audience for that game, and a lot of them probably don't even own the game or ever play it in many cases. Yeah. 
I like, actually have a lot of people asking me where where they can download yeah. Scrap Mechanic. Where uh, how much does it cost? And I'm just like, it's on Steam. <laughs> like, yep. Oh yeah, it's never, not complicated. You will never outrun people who don't know how to find games, even though they're on a computer. Where yeah. If if you can watch a YouTube video, you're seconds away from finding out this information, but they never try to find that information that way. But yeah, like Scrap Mechanics type of game where it's almost more fun to watch than to play in some cases. And like that's its big thing is how like watch the wacky thing happen. And some games like uh, Book of Demons are probably the absolute antithesis of that, where you're kind of doing a samey thing where a character's walking on hallways and mobs of enemies surround them and you click on them to kill them. And so from a viewer perspective, you're kind of watching the same thing forever, which could yeah. be tough to present to anybody, even if the game itself may be fun. Yeah. It also feels like a game that truly belongs mobile first. And I think that's part of the problem that the gameplay isn't super engaging externally. And it would, I mean, with the tapping and whatnot, it would actually oh, yeah. work really like, like of the well criticisms I saw the one, the one about it being looking like a mobile port totally flew. Like that was like, yep, that sounds about right. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's just the part I mean, about it, it being a clicker that I'm like, no, that's not what words mean. Yeah. <laughs> you can't just make up what words mean. Come on, man. Yeah, I've seen a few but, instances of that, of just people kind of just making up definitions as they go along now. <laughs> sorry, I can't contribute to any of this. I do not know about the game. She, that yeah, she to. hasn't been here when I've been playing it. Yeah, we're probably uh, about done with it anyway, to be honest. Yeah, I just want to say the last thing. It's got... Uh, I, I kind of talked about it with the uh, the Hand of Fate style like equipment system where like you get a bunch of cards and you can kind of build your equipment around it and each thing does something different. So yeah. I picked up an axe that sets doesn't set enemies on fire but will routinely just put fire fields on the ground. And, um, and so originally I had that but I was burning myself to death because I was affected by it. So now I have boots that make it so I'm immune to fire and I'm kind of like building this nice combo. You're turning your character into a warframe? Uh, <laughs> or you just AOE uh, fire everything by existing? <laughs> I, I just really like that upgrade system because there's no, there's no gear treadmill. There's just like maybe 20 overall power-ups that you can slot in and oh, kind of just a weird thing where you pick up traits and you just grab the traits you want. Yeah, and I wish there were more games that had that. Like, going back to Necropolis for a second, if Necropolis had had this gear, like, Book of Demons upgrade system, it would have been, like, nine times better, just because it would have been something to consider and, like, enjoy. That's be and It's probably because, more or less, it's not it's not an RPG-style gear progression system, and instead it's more of a Binding of Isaac pickup system. Yeah. Where, like, this thing does this thing, period. Hope I find it. Or yeah. help I can buy it, or whatever the various ways are that you can find items in the game. Yeah, well, Book of Demons, you just get them kind of randomly. And by the end of the game, you'll probably have all of them. Um, but I don't know, I, I just... I like that upgrade system, because it's a, a very fun way of giving, uh, giving players a sense of control without overwhelming them with choice or yeah. fluff. Because uh, I was playing Battleborn last night, and I just get <laughs> random shit. And it's like, is this good? Is this good? Hmm. I have no idea, and it also probably doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> like, I have an item that gives me 5% sprint speed, and I'm like, I guess I'll take it, because my alternative is something that reduces my damage by 5%. It's like, eh. The problem of having too much loot and not knowing what to prioritize anymore. Yeah, like, I, I would much rather just have, like, here's, here's the breastplate. The breastplate does this. There's only one breastplate in the game, and if you want to have extra tankiness, there you are. Or you can get the boots, so you run fast, you know, that kind of thing. I still feel like Dark Souls really nails this nice equilibrium of 
constantly giving you new stuff, but that stuff doesn't have to be an upgrade or a downgrade necessarily, but they keep giving you more and more options of things, and then the specific items you like, you can then linearly upgrade because you want them to be better. And it's like such it a depends. nice, elegant system. By Dark Souls 3, I think they lost it a little bit, because it pissed me off that the basic straight sword was better than any of the other straight swords <laughs> in the game. Like... Mm. I think I heard the Dark Sword or, or something like that was supposed to be nope. better, though. Nope. A straight Sword did more damage. Dark Sword had a better special. And so it was kind of a trade-off that... Oh, wait, maybe it was the choose. Dark Sword was somehow bullshit in PvP or something? I think I, I think I've heard it had some absurd range it wasn't supposed to have, and it would just it, destroy it people. A, it had a better combo. Or, I, I know what you're talking about, but like if we're talking flat damage, it was 100% yeah. the Straight Sword. And people got mad at me for using a Rapier. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the funny thing is that if you read enough about Dark Souls, you just find people very vehemently arguing that about half the game's weapons are bullshit and overpowered, and then they never, no, no one takes a moment to step back and notice how the people are saying this about everything, and at some point maybe that just means that they're actually kind of balanced in some cases. It's it's an experience sometimes. I've uh, I've played multiple Souls games with completely different playstyles and been told almost every single time that my play my either my my uh oftentimes in the same video i'll be told that my build is unviable and unusable and that and i'll also be told that it's overpowered that i'm ruining the game and i'll be told that no matter how i play any dark souls or bloodborne game forever <laughs> it's just like a weird I issue mean, that the sub community has people are always weirdly cranky about people really that are doing like things games. differently from them <laughs> I really don't like games where there is a clearly definable meta for like a particular class and something, yeah. and you have to play with that combination of smells, spells, though not smells, spells, those uh, stats. And if you try to create a new mechanic within that class, people are just like, no, you can only play it this way. That's one of the things. That's that's actually one of the reasons why I largely shy away from playing virtually anything online ever is that mm -hmm. there's a lot of freedom of expression especially in anything with even vaguely rpg mechanics in them where you can do a lot of completely different things with your playstyle and have a different experience along the way but if it's online you get railroaded into having to deal with certain types of strategies or you will just lose <laughs> and that's just it or and if it's team-based you'll even be having people angry at you for not using specific strategies that you're expected to use as a teammate and like that that's just a whole nightmare of things i don't like dealing with necessarily yeah like didn't back in the day um people be like oh you're this spec in world of warcraft for this class you know change to a different spec this one's garbage oh, yeah. that was my job was to tell people to do that because i was the rogue class leader in my raiding guild back in like 2010 or something like that like i, I was I would... the death knight class leader and I was just like I don't know just don't be the tank spec and we'll probably be fine and the answer is yes <laughs> it was great there was a very there, you had to play a rogue really specific ways as a, and it had to be like a, a combat rogue with certain elements of like uh, damage over time coming from multiple types of bleeds and, and your poison while also maintaining slice and dice and, maintain, and then prioritizing specific stats just to be viable otherwise every single uh DPS in the entire guild would just stomp you, and you would not be contributing to the group, because, like, the difference was massive between playing uh, Rogue correctly and playing it incorrectly. Partly, probably, because uh, 
maybe even compared to Death Knight, it was probably more complicated due to its age as a class. Oh yeah, yeah. Death Death Knight wasn't old yet, and this is before they pared down all of the uh, move sets. Well, yeah. now they've completely oh, yeah, changed they, the nature of certain like, specs. Oh yeah. E- even when I say like they've pared it down, I mean my bar like zero through nine was still filled, but the rogues had like all bars filled, and it was <laughs> situational skills. Yeah, I had a, I had a and, raid encounter in WoW where me, I, myself and the other two rogues had to go into our own separate TeamSpeak channel that was separate from the rest of the raid so we could call out our kick rotations because there was a, ca- a boss that would constantly cast and if a single spell got through, we'd actually wipe as a raid. Like, we had moments like yeah. that. <laughs> Stressful afternoons. Goodness <laughs> sake. At that point, it's not just a game anymore. Oh, yeah. So, uh, vanilla rating and Burning Crusade rating, and I can't speak to anything after that, but I've heard some of it's gotten easier and harder from time to time. For a while there, it was it was basically like like volunteering to have like a job that you don't get paid for. It <laughs> was, you, yeah. You'd it be was there for eight hours. Like a full-time, full-time raider. One thing that I'm upset about is that I know that we've been doing dungeons every once in a while, but I feel like they're done completely out of context. Like, wasn't the original setup supposed to be you yes do the quest no. in an area, and then at the it end of the area, there's a dungeon? It was much more prevalent in the beginning of the game. Like, I specifically remember Dead Mines had this huge build-up to it. Um, but that kind of dropped off after a while. Yeah, it, it, of, it was I mean, more or less tomorrow, true. If you, if you yeah. played the tomorrow original gonna... version of the game, then you would, yeah, you'd go into a zone, you'd level up there for hours on end, you'd do every single quest and for, for because of how slow progression was and everything... And then at the end, you'd get quests that would divert you towards a dungeon, which you'd have to walk to on foot. And then you'd do the dungeon, mm-hmm. which was the culmination of the storyline. And actually, I actually got a taste of this like a year ago when uh, when we were in that one Swamp of Sorrows and you guys all logged off for the day. But I was behind mm-hmm. on level, so I grinded for a while. I ended up finishing every single quest in Swamp of Sorrows, which ended up taking you into that weird uh, ziggurat place that we did yeah. the instances yeah, in the center in. with all the green dragons yeah and like there's a, there's like weird subterranean areas that are inside the ziggurat but not inside the instance and you do all of those for even more story quests and then you get an achievement for finishing every story quest in all of uh swamp of sorrows and then that's around the time you're supposed to actually be doing the dungeon finally the problem mm-hmm. is that and this is actually why people wanted to have say that one uh server where it's like this is vanilla wow forever and stuff like that is because mm-hmm. you kind of can't have the experience anymore unless you're actively restraining yourself forever <laughs> because if you go into mm-hmm. a zone you over level it in like an hour like now, you... is that because they boosted the experience that you receive from everything yeah. or... 1000 percent, yes <laughs> absolutely yeah. uh... five ten times like you've heard me rant about this during our playthrough even of world of warcraft is that they've neutered most of how that game flows for the entire leveling experience because of how right. old it is, because that's that content in the, especially the first continents are ten years old now, <laughs> and they don't care about it. They only want you to get to the latest expansion everyone's talking about, because that's where all their money's revolving around. So they just want you to get through that zone as fast as possible. Like you can just mm-hmm. do instance matchmaking it and never set, never really set foot in the actual open world for the whole path to the max level. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's probably more efficient and gets you better gear, actually. <laughs> At this point, the only reason to level up in the open world is because you feel like it, and you're trying to recapture what the game originally played like, but you can't quite... You only get, like, a weird, abridged, truncated version of it. Mm-hmm. I know that 
Whoa, that's a that's a mech. He's <laughs> playing Starbound. Don't, don't reference. Don't <laughs> reference what I'm Sorry, doing. Sorry, you're making Wanda's a playing video games. Don't podcast again. I, I do it all the time. It's something I know. for me to do. So <laughs> I actually have trouble focusing on things unless I'm like specifically. Um, it's unless why, I'm it's specifically why you're a like player. Doing something. It's true. Yeah. In, in any case, uh, I think tomorrow they're actually going to launch Demon Hunters for those who have pre-ordered the expansion. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So I think I don't know if it's going to be like a you can play you can make one and then play through the starting area. Or how that works. So with the... I think you can only play the starting area. I think I read that in the patch, actually. But uh, Yeah, it, so it's like it the Death of, Knight uh, starting thing. It kind of highlights how weird expansions are as a concept for World of Warcraft and things like that. Because like, the new patch that makes the game play like the next expansion came out weeks ago. And now the new, mm -hmm. now the new race, I mean the new uh, class is coming out weeks before the game comes out. And... By the time the actual expansion launches, we will all be pre-patched to have all the content on it. So it leads you to weird, like feel weird about the even the very concepts that like it's still really popular to go to GameStop and buy a cardboard box that has like the World of Warcraft expansion printed on the cover and everything. When like that whole part's totally divorced from any of the process of getting the game to have an expansion anymore. Mm -hmm. so the delivery systems well aren't even in tune in tune with that concept at this point. Right, right. I mean, the box is always going to be much slower than the digital download, but the digital download gives them the perks. So it's sort of, maybe it's a win-win for them. I mean, they don't have to pay as much into physical copies. And the physical copies really only make them profit. Well, the thing is, it would be riskier for the stores to purchase them, would it? I just find the concept generally amusing that people will still go to a store to buy this physical copy but like it's a game that will be pre-patched already for their like at home beforehand so like they're basically going to a store to basically get an unlock code that allows them to play the expansion that's already on their computer and it's just this weird yeah. thing of like we're so deep down the rabbit hole of patches and updates happening automatically to all of our games that the concept of buying the next update is actually like a weird like, it almost feels like this weird archaic process at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially because cons console systems, I mean, there was no crossover with the computer. It was just, you had the canisters and everything. There was no means that you could patch your games on a system that couldn't even connect to the internet. But now all of the consoles are capable of doing that, and you can get them digitally too, at least the games. That used to be a go-to thing. Like, I, I played Halo 2 back when it was brand new. And until then, the entire concept of getting more content for a game that's already out was actually completely foreign to me. Like, I don't know if it had yeah. happened before, but I think that was the first time it happened on consoles, at least. And I went to a store and bought maps for my Halo 2 game to download off the disc into my Halo 2 game. Because <laughs> that was a thing <laughs> you could do on the original Xbox. That's pretty old school. Yeah, I don't actually remember the first game that had like a built-in uh, updater, like a built-in update. That tool. game eventually had almost as many DLC maps as it had in its original disc, which was a totally foreign concept for a shooter in 2004. I mean, 
I'm trying to remember one of the first games that I was familiar with that had an expansion as opposed to just a sequel. I StarCraft and, was definitely pretty early in there. A lot of RPGs. Well, I want to say. I also know that like yeah, Alpha Centauri, right. Especially Centauri on PC. Had, had one. Actually, exclusively on PC. Pretty much. Because mm-hmm. you have Diablo 2, Lord of Destruction, you have StarCraft, Brood right. War, you have like three expansions to Morrowind. Uh, did Baldur's Gate have an expansion? I think, or did it not? I'm sure one of the di- I'm sure one of the Dungeons and Dragons uh, RPGs had an expansion at some point. Baldur's Gate uh, one did not. Uh, at least not that I remember. Not until recently, <laughs> when the controversial like 20 years later expansion was made. <laughs> Um, yeah, I heard about that. I mean, it was only really controversial because people are petty. Um, though apparently it was kind of ham-fisted in. Anyway, I don't really want to talk about that. Baldur's Gate 1 <laughs> did have an expansion? See, I don't remember I mean, I nothing, that. I, I have I nothing to say about it anyway. Yeah, I I don't remember Baldur's Gate 1 having an expansion, but Baldur's Gate 2 definitely did. Um, and that was the one I played. In fact, it was the only one I've beaten, I think, of all the Baldur's Gate games. Um... Baldur's Gate games are hard as shit, like the original ones. They're not easy. Uh, I, I tried playing them. I played it semi-religiously, but it, it just kicked my ass seven ways to Tuesday. I've always wanted to go uh, back and, ex- and try experiencing one of those games. And some, sometimes, fun. sometimes one of the interesting things is trying to figure out whether or not something's hard uh, because it's too complicated and hard to understand, or if it's we, hard because we, you're an idiot child, or if it's we hard... We played it over Christmas. Oh, this Christmas? Like, <laughs> yeah, this past Christmas. Uh, it's bullshit. There are, yeah. like, we did everything, and, uh, we were coming out of, we were coming out of, like, the first major dungeon, which we fought the boss, like, I think six times over, and it took, like, very careful planning to not lose people. And in that huh. game, like, death was a pain in the butt. And mind you, like, this is my brother at the helm managing everything, pausing constantly and all sorts of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I was just the idiot tank cleric that just sat there and would heal after combat because... Oh, right. I forgot Baldur's Gate had multiplayer. Yeah, it did. Uh, it's actually, like, a pretty good system. It's just really slow. And... That's really weird to think about. I mean, it's it should be well... slow because it's, ba- it's... it's Isn't it actually a D&D game? Yeah, it was it was D and D first edition rules, I think. Huh. Um, I mean, you haven't lived until you have a party of six fighting a multi armored beast that swings three different types of swords and has a grapple, and you have one hour turns of calculating what what dice rolls are. <laughs> <laughs> That's just faithful D and D expansions are in- inherently long winded. <laughs> Yeah, and that's part of the reason why, like, I don't want to do a uh, Baldur's Gate game, like yeah. on my channel especially. I wouldn't mind, but like, I mean, I mean neither of us we... finished Pillars of Eternity, which is basically that concept. Yeah, I, from my perspective, uh, I would rather just play Divinity: Original Sin again because, as goofy and kind of awful as that experience could be. It was much more streamlined than I think any other, um, any other, like, you know, CRPG ever will be. Yeah. Uh, to some extent, yeah. I mean, it, it never... kind of XCOM'd it. Yeah. 
We never did get back to Skyrim. Was that because it bugged completely for us? Oh, well, yeah. Mod modding the shit out of Skyrim is a special <laughs> kind of process. <laughs> yeah. But, super uh, super fun, though. It was a failure. On an earlier topic, because we were talking about, like, loot in games and how... Like, the, the concept of flooding the player or not giving them anything, basically, in, in different cases. I th feel like one example, and I kind of want to talk about the game in general, too, was, like, an example of a game where the loot was weirdly underpopulated was actually Technomancer. Yes, I was kind of surprised. And it didn't feel like a good design decision, necessarily. It just felt like a thing where they just stopped making items for the game <laughs> at some yeah. point. Yeah. Because, like, in Technomancer, which is the new... Uh, Spyware style game from Spiders, much like Bound by Flame and everything, where uh, mm -hmm. like they have they have I, I everything about your character development and your weapons and everything involving your stats of every basic component of the game, it feels like the game w is pared down in a way where it's not even meant to be. Like on some level, you almost think like maybe it's like oh, it's meant to be like really clear, like clear, and they're they're uh. They're streamlining it in like a blizzard fashion to make it more accessible in certain ways and make it more clear what upgrades and downgrades are and stuff but it mostly feels like they just don't want to complicate things so they never have to balance the game by keeping mm -hmm. it I think that the secret spiders has because I've played all of Bound by Flame and I just beat Technomancer I think between the two of those games their secret is that they don't actually want to have a difficulty ramp for their games at all despite being yeah. an RPG so what they do is that they have a skill tree being your be your primary way of leveling up, and your skill tree gives you different skills to use during combat. But at mm -hmm. at almost no point do you actually increase your stats. At most, it'll be like, oh, I can put a point in the constitution to give myself 10 hit points. And then you start the game with exactly 100 hit 100. points. So it's the most like comically simplified, or easy to like manage numbers as a developer of like, okay, the player will have anywhere between 100 and 150 hit points ever in the entire game and like I, you bounce around that i get the feeling they didn't even want to have an rpg leveling system yet they, keep they making just them. Be because they didn't know what else to do like weird, i think right? what they want to do is almost make like a dark soulsian thing and which is weird because even dark happening. souls has super heavy amounts of character changing over time and progression yeah like but the like at the i don't know I, I will agree with that but it also does feel like to some degree, Dark Souls is kind of immutable. Like, yeah, you do change your character and stuff, but they could actually do away with that system, put everything on an even scale. Yeah, and they could definitely cry it. And just let you play like, through the game and beat the challenges as some sort of static character or pick, like, one of three for different play styles. Like, like you could I'd totally make... Almost, you, could, you could make Dark Souls that game if you wanted to. I'd almost prefer that, actually. The leveling system isn't bad, but, like, yeah. playing Hyperlight Drifter, which was kind of a big old boss rush. Like, yeah, I guess you did get extra healing kits. And like, okay, that's a good way of progression. But I didn't feel like I needed a leveling system. I did feel like in yeah, Hyperlight Drifter... Hyperlight Drifter, Drifter was it. more Mega Man, where you get new abilities over time that open up your your variety of options yeah. for dealing with things. But, you, but you're but you using each ability at the cost of not using other abilities, such as what gun you equip and stuff like that. You know, I will actually admit, uh, I feel the same way about Setsuna, actually. I don't feel like Setsuna needs a leveling system. I don't even notice the fact that my characters are leveling up since it's such a minimal increase at all. Every do you find Setsuna to be to be like a little overcomplicated, like not in its like combat straightforward, 
Everyone has yeah. turns that happen at certain timings, and if you wait longer, that you can do stronger versions of your attacks, and there's combos, and it's all, like, there's only a few actions during actual combat. But the progression system and the sprite knights and the fluxes and the sheer number of sprite knights you, you quickly yeah, realize it, the game has is actually kind of horrifying at some point. It feels like they had a lot of cool ideas, but the way they express them is kind of bad. Like, the sprite knights was definitely like a... a I, I felt like they were trying to go back to the... Oh, shit. What, what were the upgrade things in Final Fantasy VII called? Uh, Materia. Like, it's like they're trying to go back to Materia, or Materia, or whatever. I only and know how to pronounce learned... it because they say it in the movie. Yeah. Mm. Which reminds me, there was that new movie. Uh, is, that comes out in a couple weeks. There's a fifth, uh... yeah, yeah. I was really confused, because no one mentioned that there was going to be a Final Fantasy XV movie. Yeah, I had no so, idea like, either. So I didn't hear about that, the... so I, I saw the trailer the in trailer. a vacuum... So I thought they were not. I thought that was Square Enix not learning from their mistakes because Final Fantasy Fifteen, the game coming out right now, used to be called Final Fantasy Thirteen Versus because it was Final Fantasy Thirteen, Final Fantasy Thirteen Versus, and Final Fantasy Thirteen Agito. And there was that whole thing where it went from being a one thirteen trilogy to being a different thirteen trilogy because we currently have a trilogy of thirteen games being thirteen, thirteen two, and Lightning Returns. But right. Ajito became Type Zero, and thirteen be just uh, versus just became fifteen for some reason. Yeah, and uh, I thought when I saw that trailer, I'm like, well, this isn't Final Fantasy fifteen because I played the demo and saw those characters, and this is like a different era entirely. Uh, I thought they were making the mistake again and already starting to make spin-offs of their new number before it even comes out because I thought they were I thought this was a, a Final Fantasy 15 companion game just like the original planned oh. trilogy of 13s until I saw it was a movie. movie is this movie gonna serve as a prequel to the game itself because yes. I'll watch yeah. it I've, yeah, enjo I'll watch I've it. enjoyed on at least some level every Final Fantasy movie so far uh, you, they're not great but they're enjoyable, <laughs> weird they're things. Not, they're not great, but they're also not bad, which I think is part of it from my perspective. Yeah, because like, like Final Fantasy VII Advent Children is like a 90-minute fight scene. In particular, the final fight scene that you feel like is the end of the movie, when you look at the time bar of how long the movie is, is actually 45 minutes of a 90-minute movie. Like, half the entire movie is that ending, is that ending fight scene. You don't realize it's how nuts. long it is. Yeah, like when like it's when the whole bad. crew comes together to fight the super monster, transitioning all the way to the Sephiroth fight. That entire part of the film is half the film. <laughs> mm. But uh, in Spirits Within, it's just too weird and memorable not to be something that I that I am happy I watched at least. Spirits Within was too the weird. first, and I think only kind of weird, creepy undead. Like I'm gonna call the spirits kind of an undeady thing. Phantoms. Yeah, the phantoms. Like, that's the only one that I think I've actually enjoyed, The yeah. Undead. I thought it was really cool how they would, you know, send their tendrils into people and just rip their spirits out of them. Like, I, <laughs> I just remember the, like, one from creepy. the city scene from that movie, and it just being really cool watching the, like, marine group fighting them and being like, this is pretty <laughs> awesome, actually, and I wish I could play this in a game. That and they they had some interesting stuff about how, you know, there was the potential search for a cure and they had to find the right frequencies and oh they were able to create some kind of shielding, to to um send them back. They always thought that they were invading force of energy beings instead of actually being ghosts. Unfortunately, I if I can remember, if I can remember correctly, the the story ultimately just kind of collapses under its own weight though and. 
I think, if I remember correctly, the protagonist also has that weird Final Fantasy she... VII female protagonist problem where they just kind of sound like they're out of breath all the time and they don't have much, like, emotional range. Well, with her, with her, she actually had one of those spirits. I, I don't know how it could, like, infect her or keep her alive or it was somehow sealed inside her. I, I would like to point out specifically that I think that was the first time Square Enix ever had to pick voice actors that spoke English. <laughs> no, that can't have been. Could no, it? you're right. Ten, ten probably ten came would have before. come sooner, yeah. Although yeah. I don't know which one takes longer to make. Those are really similar times. Well, that's another thing, too. But that was I also bad. They, yeah. I think they'd actually... Uh, for Spheres Within, they actually animated them speaking English. That was the like good part, mouths. yeah. Is it was yeah, animated. They intentionally lip synced it. I mean, no, I think it was I've, a theatrical release. <laughs> I've, I've yeah. totally got grown uh, desensitized to bad lip, lip syncing from yeah. from anime and whatever. I just, nope. I just had a I thing think... where, as far as I could remember, Dr. Ross spends, even though she's having all these crazy things happen around her and she's the center, yeah, center points of all this crazy stuff happening, she's, as far as I can remember, she just kind of looks like she's staring into space the whole movie and not really emoting well, at all. Half the time she is because she has these visions, uh, and then she promptly faints afterwards. Being like, "Oh no!" I, I'm watching the reactions in my chat. By the way, apparently most people don't even know Spirits Within exists. That's whoa, that's because your chat is literally younger than Spirits Within. I actually looked at my average audience age. It's gone up over time. Yeah, but I'm saying like <laughs> we I've talked to people in your chat that are younger than this movie. This is true. This movie's this movie's 15 years old now, and you have like 14 and 12 year olds in your chat, <laughs> and so like we're talking about something that we we think of like not even that not not that not that super long ago, but like it's impossibly long ago. Here's something weird because I'm looking up the IMDb now, and it's weirding me out. I found out that the protagonist of Spirits Within is played by Ming Na Wen, who is the best character in all of Agents of Shield, which is just a weird thing to notice. <laughs> She's the oh. she's the badass like pilot character from Agents of Shield that is like the best part Agents of the whole of show, Shield, so. <laughs> which is just mm. a that's bizarre. Yeah, she she plays Agent May, which is just a fantastic character. So that's weird. We'll someday, weird transition. Well, well, who are the other actors? I know that there were a couple. Alec of Baldwin, Steve one. Buscemi, uh, Keith David. It's silly. The, the cast of that <laughs> film is really? silly with how many people are in it. Donald oh, Sutherland, James Woods, Gene Simmons. Who is, Those are Keith, who is Keith David? Big names. Uh, Keith David played uh, the uh, our, uh, Mr. An uh, Admiral or whatever Anderson from uh, Mass Effect. He's oh, in. No, uh, I, know, I know he did, but what, who did he play in Spears Within? Some some council member. Is oh, he literally his role? His members. role is councilman member number one. <laughs> he doesn't have a name in the credits. You know they probably just they probably <laughs> just were like. They they probably just like sent him an email. Hey, we'll pay you like hundred bucks if you do this. And he's like, okay. What? Here's I mean, line. No, I mean, he has a history that? of voice yeah, acting, so I bet it's just oh, normal for him. But it's gargoyles. it is funny. That's where I first heard him. <laughs> Disney's gargoyles. He was apparently the narrator of Princess Mononoke. Yeah, well, he was he was also Lord Okoto. We the, have to escape uh, this. I just realized we're playing the IMDb game. <laughs> this is an uh, inescapable he's, hole. So he's I, the I white have boar. a topic. He's the white boar. <laughs> Actually, I, I still wanted to finish with more of a of Technomancer still. Okay. Because we didn't go more, much in that. So I finished that game now. And I gotta say, 
I know that every now and then I see a video on your channel and I'll, le- I'll read the comments and I'll be like, every now and then somebody will be like, where's Technomancer? I don't really recommend going back to Technomancer. I'm okay with that. Yeah, it was game... one of those where I was playing it because I didn't have anything better to do. I yeah. will say, the one positive for Technomancer, soundtrack was pretty good. I was pretty okay now... with like some of their better oh, songs. Oh, wait, do you I see their it's... sex scene uh, soundtrack and it's hilarious. Ew. <laughs> it doesn't fit now, at all. <laughs> are, are the... Uh, yeah. Are they just... Uh, they basically played rave music during the sex scene. It was like, what oh, is good. happening right now? <laughs> My favorite. Uh, so, in any case, I, I just remember that the characters were especially cringeworthy in Bound by Flame, because Wander and I did go through the entirety oh. of that. And, because, uh, I mean, what was it? There was the young woman who was fairly optimistic and such, and then there None was the, of the witch lady. None the characters mattered. There the was only character that was kind of okay man. was the mutant guy. That game was, was that game was so short that it didn't deserve to have the number of cast members it had. Because <laughs> you yeah, could beat the game like, in like eight hours or ten hours, and it had like six party members, and it was extra idiotic because in that game you could only have one party member with you at a time. Period, which meant oh, it was physically impossible to spend reasonable two. amounts of time with any of the characters. It's two in Technomancer. It was actually oh, somehow oh, one talking, character you're... in Bound by Flame. Oh, it was only one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that. Yeah, it's like, like you I, you couldn't really feels, meet your characters really, because <laughs> like it really feels like uh, spiders is trying to be Bioware, but like they don't have the budget or the uh, well, skill. Especially oh, yeah. if they're adding things like those uh, romance I will, options. And I stuff. will grant. I feel like gameplay wise, it was a market improvement over, over Bound, Bound by, Flame, by Flame, which isn't saying much. <laughs> Yeah, it's that true. game controlled horribly, <laughs> like really horribly. It was not pleasant. It was a, Do you yeah. know one thing that I dislike about all the games that we've been talking about lately? I mean, at least the Bound by Flame, uh, Bioware, even ones as of late. It seems like they've been really going for this edgy, dark, possibly dystopic. Uh, you know, the world is coming to an end, or yeah. it's past that point, and everyone is without hope. I like and games crime where the characters have and... fun more than once. Huh? And that is a surprisingly low number of video games. Well, that's I actually like, what Dragon I... Age is good for: is having a cast of characters that are kind of enjoying themselves. And the problem is like less that the world's ending, and more that there's just a, a thing that has to be stopped. Because, yeah, Mass Effect right. is like, the universe is ending right now. <laughs> this is basically the story of the Mass Effect trilogy. And, uh, yeah, Bound by Flame is literally like, you grab basically the Tree of Life by the neck and just make a decision about it, what the fate of the universe is. But then the game cops out and just ends right there, so you don't even have to worry about the ramifications of your final choice or anything. But that's how apocalyptic it is in its, in its nature. Well, I really wish that there were games similar to those where you do have a lot of choice but that actually has you know a likable varied cast Uh, a lot of really like lush vibrant zones or ruins or places that are just awe-inspiring as opposed to grungy and uh so so you want a game that has like bioware party members but a final fantasy setting yeah Because Final Fantasy games, a lot of JRPGs lately don't develop their characters very well, really. But a lot of Western RPG games lately are all dark ending worlds. (laughs) Yeah. Right, right. And 
I know that this was something that they had said happened with films and comics in the 80s, but I just don't like it. The how Dark Ages. Back. I know how we're just spiraling well, back into that. I, I mean, a lot of it is follow the leader. There's a lot of games that did really well by being X, be, be it, you know, world is ending. world Like, Dragon Age 1 was a very dark fantasy game, and it did fabulously. And so a lot of fantasy RPGs kind of followed the leader straight into that for better Yeah, you know, the, the one to play that's not a dark fantasy game is actually Dragon Age 2. It's literally just, like, it's a, it's a, like a th weird three-episode story about somebody trying to, like, it's a, it's a family of refugees trying to make their way in a, in a new city that's foreign to them, basically, is more or less the story of the entire game. And it's just a series of three different struggles, like... And they're not like the world's ending. Like one struggle is literally like, oh, there's like sort of like an occupying army, and they're not here to attack us. They're kind of just occupying, and like just living mm -hmm. with like a weird outsider that's that's stuck in your town. And then another issue is like interpersonal problems between two groups of people that don't get along with each other. Like that, it's those kinds of plot lines instead of instead of the whole like another Drake is going to consume the cosmos. Or whatever was going, or whatever was going on in Divinity: well, Original so Sin, where like a, sin was, a galaxy dragon was going to eat the planet. <laughs> that was a backdrop for you and I setting shit on fire and having a good laugh about it. So the interesting thing about what you, what kind of plot lines you were talking about earlier with the the army and the um, the groups that were sparring against each other, it almost sounds like the kind of quest that they would have on a planet to planet basis in Knights of the Old Republic, if you remember, where you yeah. have the overarching story of, you know, here's the Sith, and they're trying to take over the galaxy, planet and, by planet, blah, blah, blah. And, and by the way, the, planet, the thing about Bioware games, they never stopped making that storyline. All of their subsequent uh, RPGs for all of Dragon Age and Mass Effect are that same structure of you go to a location and have a weirdly encapsulated story that's separate from the, the driving force over and over again. Because mm -hmm. it, 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 it is always local problems. It can make sense from the perspective of, like, I remember with Mass Effect, it was you have to convince the different races to approve of uh, the council or uh, joining your forces, etc. Um, uh, what was it? I mean, I mean, Knights of the Old Republic, it was just finding pieces to the Star Forge. It was a. A MacGuffin story, basically, right? Like, mm. there's a mystical device. Let's go get the pieces of it so we can finish yeah. the game. And that's our excuse to go to all these locations to have mini stories happen. Bonus points if they're, you know, thematic. Like, here's, yeah. the, here's the jungle. Here's so here, here's an issue the, then, uh, though. Because we, the we, we brought up, like, this... Like, the similarities between stories in different games and so on and so forth. And, like, the day of a driving force of End of the World and everything like that. And that's even in Bound by Flame. You guys have played some chunk of Technomancer, right? I don't. Was it one of you or both of you? He. he I, played I played it. two. I think so you played Technomancer. Can you tell me the story of Technomancer? Um, what's it about? I mean, honestly, the first half is hard, you're right? Just, you're just a cop, but it's there's hard, some right? guy that's, <laughs> that's like kind of coming after you. And then that stops, and then you're like, "Well, I guess now what do I do?" And other people are like, "Do this thing for for us," and you're like. Okay. Well, aren't people so this, being this, this miserable might... and dying of radiation on Mars or something? And... Yeah, but that's not the plot. That's a backdrop. It's just a yeah, setting but... thing, yeah. 
So here's here's the thing, and this might count as spoilers to some extent for some people for Technomancer or something. Uh, you guys don't care if I say stuff about the game, right? Because you're done with you it. Do at this not point. care whatsoever. It's not good, by the way. The story's not good anyway. But <laughs> so you're in the the first entire chapter, which has the bound by flame problem as a, of the previous game, where the first chapter was mostly side quests, and it's where most of the side quests are. So it's going to take up most of your time. Uh, is that how you build your party, though? Usually they have your initial no, quest lead you to party members. Not even that. No. That's the weird thing. Yes and no. That's the weird thing. If you do every single side quest in all of Chapter 1, you can end up meeting each of your eventual party members at some point. The yes. weird thing is that they never join your party at any point during any part of all of Act 1. So you beat a third of the game without having a single party member that's going to be with you for the rest of the game. So that's already so, weird. But I then Act 2 starts, out, and you get 100% of your party members uh, party members simultaneously. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of uh. this weird culture shock. The weird part was, I didn't actually realize the final boss of Act 1 was your party member. You didn't notice it was Jeff? No, I had no idea, because he had the armor on, and he was suddenly an asshole. Because he's just some generic white guy. It's so hard to tell. You have to, look, yeah. you have to, you have to memorize everyone's really boring names to know who they are sometimes. And, like, I will admit, I was actually pretty okay with Jeff. I thought he was kind of a neat character. You know, kind of this, like, farm boy, whatever. Super positive. He was a little weird That's the other for thing an too. RPG, they but I was okay be, with it. They need to be more creative with the various races and stuff. Oh, that yeah, they have. absolutely. I mean, I know that... Technomancer was just about, you know, humans colonizing Mars, so there weren't, weren't going to be uh, aliens or anything of the sort. They didn't have mutants, but the mutants didn't... They just look scarred or especially disfigured. Um, they look like they're covered uh, in tumors and stuff or something. Yeah. And they have, like, skin right. conditions. Like, in Act, in Act 1, one of the big mistakes they made already was that they, I think they wanted to be some kind of surprise, right, when your party members straight up betray you? <laughs> Because they both leave you for different reasons and are just gone from the game, and that's it for the for both those what? people. You never you, like Jeff doesn't come back whether you leave him alive or not doesn't matter. It's not it, it, he's never going to show up again. Uh, but they they kind of messed up at and like over foreshadowed it on accident because uh, party members in Western RPGs are known as being like this colorful cast of different characters from different walks of life. Like that's kind of the trope, but it's also the only way to make it consistently interesting. And like Bound by Flame already knew that because they had like the crazy witch girl and they had the they had the uh the like they had the elf archer and they had like different people from different groups and everything like that. But mm -hmm. your starting group in uh in in freaking Technomancer, admittedly two different histories. One of them's supposed to be the fresh recruit that's all doughy eyed and everything, and the other one is like mm -hmm. this hardened vet that's like cynical. But both of them are just white guys with buzz cuts and armor that are just there to follow your orders. And so when they betray you and then are immediately cast, uh, replaced by a colorful cast of differing characters with different backdrops and different personality types, suddenly you're like, yeah, that I, that was kind of a given, wasn't it? Because <laughs> they replaced it with like a a, uh, a red-headed girl that swears a lot and is an engineer that has her own personal uh, her own personal mechanic rover, an eccentric so, doctor, and like a... It's a, a singer. <laughs> and I know it's a trope, but don't they call them the wrench wrench? Wrench wench. Probably, wrench, yeah. Just, yeah, that's, it, it's... That's horrifyingly it's rhymey. <laughs> yeah, it's it's essentially the mechanic girl. Yeah. I actually have not heard of that trope before. Well, I've never heard it before. 
Think of Firefly. Uh, like I understand Haley the concept. And- redheaded girl that does them. That's slightly off from the other rest of the characters, and she's the mechanic. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've never heard that name ever. Yeah, I've never heard the. I've <laughs> well, never heard the if, ta- if you ever term. ever go to TV tropes, you'll just oh well one link after another I link after another link. You'll I, find I've, all I've, these fun names for I've got tropes. A, I've got a buddy from high school. <laughs> he actually watches sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. But the guy definitely read too much TV tropes. And they would just start totally counting out. That. They would start shouting out every trope they see by name. Well, no, we'd be like at a club together and you'd be reading TV tropes. Oh. Yeah. You'd be what together? Wow. We'd be at like anime club and you'd be reading like, it. People say, uh... well, people say, I bet you're fun at parties as a joke, but that guy is the person that they say that to. <laughs> <laughs> he was a nice guy. I know, but like that's just like the concept of like, like the that phrase comes up when you're the person doing like annoying corrections or something at a party and stuff like that, and you're t- you're talking about somebody who is out in public and focusing on a website that's all about like corrections and like overuses of things and like little small details about stuff. So it's like it's well, somehow like a sentence in living embodiment. It doesn't necessarily illustrate how. Uh how these things are overused these conventionalities or i suppose uh but they they just have names for typical things like you know the last of his kind and ancient aliens i and mean we totally understand it's just the perspective of like the big bad the five man band it's, it's more just the fact that he'd read this in public places it's okay <laughs> um, anyway, like, so I wanna... I'll t- just I'll just talk okay. about the story of this game though, and where I was going with it. Like, so what happens is chapter one wraps up with you getting chased out of town by a guy who you saw twice before and didn't seem to like you, but apparently he really doesn't like you because he's actually the villain of the entire game. <laughs> but well, there, the there's like almost the no guy... setup for it. <laughs> the The entire point of the guy is like he wants to learn your deep dark secrets, and you're like. No. <laughs> yeah, he wants to it. know that Technomancers are secretly also a form of mutant, basically. And so he drives you out of town, puts all of the other Technomancers basically in prison for existing, and he takes over the entire city. But then, like, all of Act 2 is just you're in another city, and maybe he's infiltrated the city, maybe not. Let's do a bunch of side quests. And then all of Act 3 is let's go to a different settlement that also is supposedly safe from him, which also while also trying to deal with him behind the scenes but he's still just this weird background thing of like he's almost not a threat because he's just a guy that he took over some city you don't live in anymore anyway and you already freed all your friends from him so he's just kind of a dick that exists somewhere and the plot just never it just never it refuses to ever let him go so it's like oh i guess we have to keep dealing with this guy because the plot won't let me go anywhere else but what's really tragic about the game and where it really falls apart in really hard ways is that Act 3, and I'm just going to tell you what happens at this point because of how Mm. fascinatingly broken it is, is that in Act 3 of this game, you spend the entire act doing a series of missions that are supposed to undermine this guy politically to unseat him from his throne in this kingdom. Like, all the corrupt politicians and the support of the people and the support of, like, the mafia network. Like, you're supposed to basically do a checklist of like let's let's unseat his power in five different ways and you figure you're going to go towards some sort of like crazy like court proceedings where you like 
try to get this guy like indicted from his uh, role in the government and stuff like that. And, like you think it's going to go that way because that's how like you would tell a story like this, right? Instead, what happens is you do all these things that are supposed to remove mm-hmm. him from his role. Your reward is a five-second cutscene of him sitting in a room that's completely alone, looking kind of sad or a little bit disappointed, while vague, echoey, shouty noises happen in the background to sort of express that people are dissatisfied with him. And then the entire concept of his leadership or unseating him from the leadership or any of the things you did to do that are never mentioned again in any capacity. And that's more or less like the climax of the game... Like, you spend literally an entire act of the game trying to unseat him from power. And not only is there no, like, court proceeding or, like, big takedown moment or, like, final showdown with Saren where you argue about your ideals or uh, even, like, a fight. Like, he Mm -hmm. just seems to... It just seems to suggest that maybe you won, but maybe not, because they don't talk about it in any capacity to say what the results of your actions were. And then the game just moves on. Yeah. So it's what happens after that is that you go to this moon base that's supposed to have a connection to Earth, and he's just there, and you kill him, and then that's the end of his storyline, and like there's no interesting direction it goes in. The he literally doesn't acknowledge the fact that you spent the entire chapter unseating him from his power. So like the your actions of the entire last like five hours are not ever acknowledged at any point by the game. Period, and it so goes he, nowhere. He just doesn't turn around and say. So you, you're behind everything. Yeah. All that really and... happens at the end is that he knows the Technomancer's secret, but also he's a mandatory boss fight, and he's going to die when you take him down. So you just fight what is essentially just the rogue class of the game, where he has a sword and a, and a gun, and that's it. Mm-hmm. He's just a generic NPC that you fight, and that's the, that's the end of a storyline that was literally the entire game's story. <laughs> and it's like, do you, do you it's, it's hilariously in, in, inopportune and like inept. What they should have done instead, I know that this would be cliche, but what they should have done instead with that is, so let's say he's obsessed with the fact that, you know, the Technomancers acquired their power by being mutants, whatever. But instead of doing the whole, oh, we should lock them all away so that they don't pose a threat to us, it should have been, let's lock them up, try to discover their secrets and see if we can... Uh, become even, like, greater mutants. And, like, it would have been cool. Sort of like Resident Evil-y. Yeah, but this guy was kind of like Hitler with the whole, like, well, maybe not Hitler, but, like, super blood purist type. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that, but then... He's he's a leader of a group of people that wants to... that hates mutants and is trying to find a reason to get rid of Technomancers. Well, then, maybe they should have found some way to uh, destroy mutants or prevent mutations from occurring in the future? Oh, he didn't care. That, that was free to... slave labor for him. And I mean, like, I mean, unless he really was showing them like, show. power all the electricity in their city, you, city or something. Is that what I mean? Well, no. So, um, <laughs> the mutants were the only people that were able to like deal with the sun. Really? Yeah. Huh. So the, the point was the mutants were kind of there That's as That's actually how they labor. escape. On a regular basis, the mutants are escaping because of the fact that they can survive on the surface when humans can't. Like, out in the open during the day and everything, without the shadow paths and stuff like that. Like, the mutants can just kind of... If they escape with their pens, they can kind of just run across the countryside, which is how there's, like, a whole secret, like, mutant society out there that is, like, a a haven for them if they can find out about it and escape to it. 
But like, there's extra details of of crazy stupid though in this act three because much like Bound by Flame, the entire game just falls apart and loses its mind and just becomes this incompetent, horrifying mess during Act Three. So, during the main story, one of the quests they give you for trying to unseat his power is you can try to free all of the mutants from the pen from the city. But also, another character also gives you a side quest to free mutants from the pen in the city. And you might think, oh, weird, that's weird how they have overlapping objectives, but I guess I'll just do it and they'll, I'll win at both. They're referring mm -hmm. to two different sets of mutants in the same pen. You free them oh. differently somehow, for some reason. And it gets oh. even weirder, because the main pen of, of mutants, like, you have this really elaborate plan where you have to, like, figure out how to build a bomb so that these people can explode their way out of the pen into the underworks and take a secret tunnel out. The other people, though, the people that are hidden behind a second oh, locked it. door for the side quest... Get out of the way! The like, princess! Shell. Sorry. <laughs> you have to kind of explain what the hell's going on instead of just flailing She's and She's just yelling randomly reacting to video games right now. No, it's not video games. Uh, we've got not an even that. infestation oh, uh, no. that, like, got out of control. And well, so, so they've been, there's a, been a you, severe drought. Get, here, you know, I'll go get it. There's you been explain. a severe drought outside, and they've been coming in through his parents' window somewhere in the basement. But there's just for a while there were ants everywhere. You you couldn't sit still in a room without five of them crawling around somewhere. And while they did take the poison upstairs, and it seemed to control the kitchen situation. They haven't taken the bait down here, and now there are tons of these queens, like these potential queens, princesses, that, you know, are twice as large as the regular worker, uh, have wings, and they're searching for A, mates, and B, a place to dig a hole and create a new colony, so. So it's the, the situation's just actively getting worse, basically? Yes and no. We've been killing a lot of them, and I haven't seen a single drone, so... Like, it's actively worse in and of the fact that, you know, there's... They're bigger ones, but there are less ants overall. Oh. So, it's weird. Yeah, so and now there, gross. there are few ant ants, but there's a, a lot of princesses. Yeah, so it feels like the nest is desperate and trying to, like... Expand out before the queen dies, probably. Or who knows? Huh. Who knows but, what they do? Like, it mostly just results in a ton of these dumb ants wandering around my floor, getting killed, and then rinse repeat. Yeah, I noticed they don't fly, which is bizarre. I mean, one of them must have flown up into the light the other day. It was funny because I look up at the light for no reason at all. You know how sometimes people have that weird suspicion that they're being watched or something? I look up at the lamp, I notice that there's a princess inside it, and then it comes to the lip oh, yeah, just this is as in the I'm middle looking, of, This just, is in the middle of us recording, possibly leading up to a boss it. fight. Yeah, and just as I look, it comes to the lip and tries falling on my shoulder, and it instead it fell to the floor and I promptly squished it. But I was just like, wow, if I hadn't looked up at the lamp, it would have just plopped right on us. Huh. It's obnoxious. Oh, looking, looking forward to moving, huh? <laughs> yeah, very the, the much really, so. The yeah. really disgusting thing, too, is you can squish them, 
And then I noticed a day later, like there was one that we hadn't picked up and its antenna and head was still moving, even though all of its body and uh, just, uh, it's gross. I've been really lucky so far with where I moved, where I haven't had any infestation problems at all. And I made, I made it through two summers now where I've not been suddenly swarmed with spiders, which in my previous home in California, yeah, summer is when suddenly you're ha- you ha- you find out about every hole in your house because spiders are just seeping through them all summer and you have a terrible ew, time. <laughs> ew. Now, but I, I, I haven't remember, been getting any. I remember looking at... You know, when we were still considering Texas and other places, and apparently roaches were a real problem. Just, just, ah, uh, it must be terrible just having bugs coming in. Roaches are so much less worrisome to me just because they don't have this implied thing where they go after you necessarily. Actually, roaches will eat your eyelashes. Well, they what? <laughs> what? Yep. Your eyelashes. If they're hungry enough, they will go for that your was eyelashes. That's the most weirdly specific thing. Why not your hair? Because like for know. me, for me of all the insects, the ones I hate the about most. Roaches and they will, they will just like straight up eat, eat like your hair. <laughs> well, like it, for me, it, for me, the worst thing to have in your house and know it's there is always like any variation of mosquito. Just because you're like mm. this thing exists and it's in here, it's hard to see because it's made of tiny sticks. And it's literally there to suck your blood. And, oh, and, it's yeah. try- and, well, it's, and it wants had... to do it on the sly. <laughs> when, when we were in Croatia, we had a... I suppose I, it was good for me. wasn't so good for Wander. But uh, we would wake up in the morning and there would be these full fat mosquitoes sitting on the walls. And I would squish them and they would just burst they they had already had they'd their be fill full of, blood, of wander blood but they'd be full of wander blood i didn't get a single bite he got bitten up the wazoo like it wasn't so bad because i'm from minnesota which has fuck tons of mosquitoes which i'm not okay with well, these were croatian mosquitoes and they uh, loved you yeah but like at the same time not cool so i want to i want to take us oh, away can from I, the topic can, of bugs can i just do you the wanna... last the last one okay. topic of techomancer just because okay. i keep we keep diverting all the time mm-hmm. is the uh like I, I mentioned the thing of like there's just like there's, there's a stupid thing where two different quests both involve slaves of the same pen and they're somehow two separate quests and you have to do them separately does it and require that... you have to leave and then return to the same pen yes or uh, you free one by by blowing up a tunnel. You free the other ones by literally unlocking their cage, and and then they follow you out on a foot, and you and not through the blown up tunnel or anything. You just you literally walk them through the city and just try not to get them killed. And you can't cross the wires or any in any, or in any way make the solution of one be the solution of the other one, even though in both cases you're freeing slaves from the same pen. Yep. But we're another really stupid, stupid, stupid thing in this, this game because it just completely loses its mind and nothing makes sense at some point in this game. Uh... So they vaguely set up like you. You meet Phobos. He's he's that uh, he's the the mutant tough guy from like the cover of like all the artwork of the game and everything is your one of your party members. And then mm. you meet this one other guy. I forget his name, but he's like anti Phobos. He's like he's the he's the mutant. That's a big strong guy too, but he's a dick and he hates humans. And mm-hmm. you find out that there's some sort of like outskirts of society secret uh, mutant world. Uh, we're seeking like there's a secret mutant city somewhere. When you get there, you immediately kick the tough guy's ass and, and defeat him and never see him again, so he's out of the story immediately. Then the yeah. game shows you Phobos and someone named Scum. Scum is some character you've heard about as being an, an escaped slave, 
and some people like him, basically. The game immediately asks you, even though you just walked into Mutant Valley for the first time ever and have never been here before and only recently even found out it existed, you get to choose which one of them becomes the leader of their entire society. Immediately. It, it seems like something that you would only do after you had accompanied them on a number of quests. Or like at the well, end I... of the entire act that takes place in their society. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah. think about, what was it, Mass Effect 1? Was it where, because um, you you elected what? that? I mean, the Mass Effect series is, is full of picking one leader over the other leader, basically. Yeah. It's like if you had to pick between like... the Geth and the... Um, the Quarians the... or something? The Quarians, no, 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 without but... the whole, like, Geth are actually, like, very understandably good. No, 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 no. but I, I would say the more equivalent situation would be that Slimy Counselor versus Captain Anderson. Or Commander Admiral. Yeah, they it, never it'd, really be, gave... it'd be like playing a Dragon Age game and picking bet- uh, the side of either Templar or Mage when you press start at the beginning. <laughs> Instead of after meeting those two factions and their various complicated moral problems. Because, like, you get to this mutant area, you meet Scum for the first time, Phobos has been around forever, obviously, and you it literally, like, it's not like you're not in an open world, you can't walk up to each of them individually and have conversations with them like you do in every other game. It literally, you're stuck in a dialogue situation where you literally, it just gives you an option of one or the other, and you can't do anything but pick one of them. Yeah, and so... And it's baffling. One, one game that did it very well was Guild Wars 2, when you had to choose which faction that you're going to join one of them was the straightforward you know we're the soldiers we're going to defeat the zombies with brute yeah. force and our superior weapons and such there was uh, another faction that was all about trying to research you know ancient magic and ruins and figure out how to defeat the uh, zombies through through means like other than brute force. I don't know. Then, I don't think that was a good decision. And then and then <laughs> there was the, and no 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 but how they employed it. Nah. The, no 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 listen hear me out. <laughs> so then then there was the last faction that were they were sort of about um oh what was it? Spy, subtlety, infiltration, whatever. Yeah, but so what you did was you you had a very long racial starting area where I think almost the first thirty levels you just learned more and more about your culture, uh, depending upon what race you chose. And there were three representatives, one from each of the factions, that pop up, and they they are members of your race. And uh, the leader is just sort of like, hey, you know, these guys want to take you on a couple of quests. But for each quest, you could only choose between two of the three factions, and they always made sure to alternate which two you could choose. So you had an opportunity to work with one faction, uh, well, with each faction at least once, and then the other two factions twice. And uh, that sort of helped you ascertain, you know, who do you really but want to work with? It, what missions do you I mean, prefer doing? It also didn't matter really it was just slightly different flavor but it determined what kind of faction and what kind but of quest you were playing for the next 20 not, levels like it didn't but it also did matter like in the greater story point of it all ultimately you ended up on a uh, on an airship shooting a dragon and it like ch- it changed nothing uh it just changed oh. all the quests in between it just changed <laughs> it just changes flavor whereas like this one was like supposedly this like big important decision to be made and it's just like, well, 
Here you go. No, I'm just saying that it gave you an opportunity to have an informed decision about which faction that you were choosing. Well, yeah, I'm going to say it's better than Technomancer, but (laughs) that's not... That's like saying... I'm still really fond of Guild Wars 2. I wish we could get back to it someday. we know. Yeah. (laughs) I I got one last thing just to warn people away from Technomancer is like, from a gameplay standpoint, like just progressing through the game... A huge problem that becomes apparent is like I don't know if you how much of the quests you did in Act One, but you probably noticed that you just keep walking back to Eliza Major over and over again for the entire game in Act One, just over and yeah. over again, because that's like the only way to progress at anything. Uh, what quickly becomes a problem is they kick you out of that city after Act One, and you're an outcast. So now everyone attacks you on sight. So what happens is Eliza Major, uh, you still have to keep talking to her, but instead of putting her somewhere useful, like putting her like at the bar in the slums where you could reach her easily or something and she's going to meet you on the sly there in a place where people won't notice or something no (laughs) she meets you at the main military base of their entire organization but over by the railing on this one like on like the chain link fence basically and And so sneak there yeah the problem is that you uh the only way to get there is to you enter through the underworks fight through a really specific path of the underworks which features multiple doors, which means you can't get past them without clearing all the enemies attacking you in the Underworks because you can't open doors when you're in combat. So you have to do multiple fights in the Underworks themselves, to, and and that includes a large fight against about five to ten human enemies, some of which have armor and guns and grenades and shit. And mm-hmm. then you get to take the stairs that take you to Eliza Major in her new sp- in her new spawn point, and you go there like 20 times over the course of the game over and over and over again fighting your way across that same path I've had to edit so much footage out of my own playthrough to make it watchable Mm. because of how often I have to walk through all of that nonsense every single time and what's worse about it is that if you even take too long the enemies can respawn behind you so now on your way Uh, out you have to go back and every quest that. you do, it feels like at some point you got to hand some kind of information to Eliza Major, or you're getting a quest from Eliza Major, or some quest tells you to go ask Eliza Major a question at some point, and you just keep going back to this really specific path and fighting the same NPCs over and over again because they couldn't put them in a reasonable pa- uh, spot, and they couldn't put fast mm-hmm. travel into their game at any point or make any reasonable pa- way to get to that spot. So you, over the course of the game, you probably spend... A total of like two hours just clearing the way to this one NPC over and over again to just progress various main quests and side quests. And it reaches a point of absurdity where every single objective over the course of the entire Act 3 just has her again at some point every time. She really should have gotten the memo that you were a rogue element and very wanted. I'm sure she realized considering her bosses literally were hunting you. But... (laughs) Yeah, she's, like, oh, conspiring with you and everything, but, it, like, but, and, and as far as I can tell, she'll always conspire with you, no matter what your reputation was with her during Act 1, but they make it the most agonizing process possible to visit her, despite knowing full well you're going to do that over and over again, and that's the real problem with this game, is that, like, it has writing problems, and has gameplay problems, and has progression problems, and all these weird oversimplifications and issues, but the biggest, most glaring thing is that the game as a whole has no respect for the player's time because that actually more or less summarizes the majority of interactions in the game is that the game has a small number of NPCs, a small number of environments, and just has a whole lot of quests that say walk around this environment and talk to three people 
or walk through this specific path to turn into this item to this character that you've went through several doors to get to and like that kind of stuff happens just over and over again until the game finally just rolls credits and you can't help but wonder like why couldn't this game maybe invest some resources in not making a bunch of filler garbage and instead make an ending because it kind of doesn't like I told you, like or the final. Or to have different quests with different game mechanics. Like I yeah. know that there are some games that employ puzzles. Or um, instead, the game is I twenty mean... hours of fetch quests followed by a, the entire main story ending in a super underwhelming boss fight against a very just a normal enemy, like a human enemy that has no special details besides being harder. And then mm -hmm. after that, like the game realizes its own mistake. Because as you approach the final relics to finish the game, it's like, oh, uh, boss monster! It just throws a monster at you that you may be heard mentioned by name once, but has nothing to do with any story. And that's the I'm final boss fight, just like in Bound by Flame, where it's a super boss with a billion hit points, and it's so tedious to fight. I'm and like surprised that's... you didn't reference the fact that the first boss didn't even know where the player character was. Yeah! <laughs> so, no, that they double down on that, Wander. They double down on that. So, for people who haven't seen the beginning of uh, Technomancer, the first boss doesn't target the player ever he just swings around and runs around and attacks the board so you it's like it's like fighting some legend of zelda bosses basically except it's not designed to be that kind of weird top-down and platformy sort of like avoid the danger zones boss it literally mm -hmm. is like a it looks like a dark souls boss that doesn't know you exist and just attacks random parts of the map so <laughs> the game has a three act gladiator tournament thing where you have to come back once per act to do the next set of three rounds for the gladiator tournament the final um, boss of that extended plot point, of that extended side quest, is the first boss of the game, and he still doesn't look at you or target you, and still just doesn't fight you directly, and is the most anticlimactic thing ever. And your grand who is reward the first boss? is he is a it, human or no, a it's, it's, it's a nothing. It's a nothing. This game can't incorporate gameplay into story, so all of its important bosses are just some monster that's there, and that's it. It's just a monster. Huh. And so, and to just to, to further cheapen it, the first boss of the game is used as a gladiator boss, so, so it's not even a unique enemy, because apparently that's just a thing that's everywhere. But when you, and then when you finally take it down in the arena, your grand reward for bothering to come back to that location three separate times to do gladiator fights is 300 serum. Which is kind of meaningless, because... What serum? It's just it's money, the money, gold, whatever. I... I in uh, Bound by Flame especially, one of my favorite... Well, not Bound by Flame, freaking Technomancer. Uh, you had this like whole moral dilemma of, you know, do you kill people for serum for extra money? Except for, like, you get all this, like, random junk equipment that whoa, you just sell. Whoa, 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 So what is serum? Is it something extracted from people? They don't ever tell you. Nope, nope. It's, uh, well, well is, kind of. What is serum used for? Okay, they didn't tell me as far as I went. Well, there's, it's weird because serum is what... I'm actually... I think they mentioned it at the very beginning of the game and never talk about it again, so it's one of those problems where, like, I kind of have lost track of what it is, but it's something that's good for humans surviving on Mars, I suppose? And I think they established it but never mentioned it again, but it, every single time you talk, you fight any enemy that's human, you can hit mm -hmm. Y to drain their serum, which kills them. So something about serum oh. is helping people live somehow, but it's an entire plot point that's just kind of thrown away by the game and never really discussed again, despite the fact that it seems to suggest that all of human society are basically some kind of drug addicts. Like in a so like how he, in Human like Revolution Bioshock? you need like I I don't no. know I don't know. Well, they were probably like, trying to go for Bioshock. Adam? They 
It's one of the Shell- 500 undeveloped concepts in this game that they never finished making Shell- and instead this just is- padded out with nonsense. It's such this a garbage purchase. This is a common theme with you for this game specifically. You're trying to overthink it. You're no, she's not. About that's the thing. That's things. the thing. She's not overthinking it. She's asking the most basic questions the game should be answering, well, no, and maybe even dealing thinking, with his primary plot She's thinking plot harder points. than the developers did. Yeah, well, and she's I, expecting there's reasonable, smart well, people that made a game. Like, well, like, so I, I'm trying to figure out why they included these story elements. And if if they, but they don't have an explanation. You could come up with a billion answers why, and you'd still be wrong because they don't know. Yeah, or that's, care. The, that's the problem. You're asking where to. Adam, or if you're familiar with Star Wars, there's this race of vampiric beings that take uh, what they call soup from sentient beings, and it's essentially just their mental energies and their minds. And they sort of have like these wriggly things that come out of their faces, and they take it from your nostrils. Well, your brain, technically, because the tenderly things go up into your uh, skull. But in any case... Now I'm just thinking of the parasite monsters that control your brain in Star Trek. (laughs) In next generation. Oh, the, I mean, oh, you mean the Dax? They're not a unique concept. Yeah, there's the Dax, they're brain worms. There's the, there's the Yerks. There's the uh, even uh, uh, brain worms. Even either. Futurama did the uh, the inevitable brain slug. <laughs> the inevitable brain slug. So well, I mean, I just mean we... like it's inevitable to include. That that could be a joke. Yeah, we yeah we can move on to what you want to talk about next. Uh, wonder okay. just I mean, yeah, mainly no I one by Technomancer. On techn- yeah, no one. <laughs> Or, and no it one sees ideas. Suicide Squad. <laughs> oh, it right, had ideas. right. I hadn't, I hadn't seen it, but I knew from the trailers it was going to be terrible. So I decided, no. How was Will Smith's performance in that? He's Will Smith. He's, He's just Will Smith. He hasn't really messed up anything besides that After Earth movie that where he monologued for the entire film in Deadpan. <laughs> but that's huh. good. that was a garbage M. Night Shyamalan movie, so... That yeah. was uh, that was a Scientologist uh, propaganda film, from what I remember. Speaking of, isn't there another M Night Shyamalan? So in other words, it was sci-fi. Coming out, <laughs> coming so out what Scientology is. With fair the, enough. With it's the, a religion uh, invented by a sci-fi author that was just in itself also sci-fi, but he said it was real that time. <laughs> and I can't even offend people because no one believes in Scientology except for like rich people that sue you. <laughs> this is true. Um, so oh, I wanted man. to I wanted to roll back to this. Uh, so somebody actually showed up in chat. Oh yeah, we should probably say this. Uh, we do take questions on this podcast, so YouTube comments or otherwise. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Although we do spend a lot of time on like, tang- tangents sometimes, so it's hard to divert. Yeah, we them don't take every question, and chances are we're not we're probably not going to take most questions. Yeah, uh, but if you have a question related. You can say it in the Twitch chat, or you can say it on the comments of the videos, and we'll try to keep track of the ones that we want to get back to later, and we can bring those up at some point, because we're always looking for topics to talk about, because this thing just happens. (laughs) But, so somebody actually showed up um, to my, uh, you know, to to the early part of the podcast, uh, to ask me to stop uploading so much. (laughs) Yeah, I get that too. Uh, that you know, seven seven to ten is too much, and I should go down to at max one or two. Oh, okay. That's so... exactly the sentence I get. Is every one time they're like, "You should only upload one video a day," and I'm not going to okay. at all analyze the ramifications this will have on all of the shows I like on your channel. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's interesting. So 
I don't know how many of you use Facebook anymore or other things yeah. akin to it. I I mean I actually have found myself I mean, not unsubscribing per se, but muting or uh unfollowing but still remaining as a quote unquote somewhat watcher to oh, various yeah. people because sometimes there are instances where um I mean whatever you've added the person for they aren't putting out that content anymore or if they are they're putting out droves of other things that are of no interest to you so or I in Facebook's sort of true use like on some level the intention is kind of just to be in contact with your friends and stuff like that and so you, it's hard but so many people have these bad habits that make me unfollow them too because there's certain people that just start spewing like what's basically hate speech or just political oh, yeah, fervor yeah. and are angry all day and I don't want that to be my entire feed and other people that just don't have a threshold so they'll post like 50 things a day and the timeline will just be them and you're like I don't even remember you that well you're someone I added three years ago <laughs> and you end up unfollowing yeah, them too I find there's a lot of the political <clears throat> stuff lately um, and then also just I, I've noticed especially amongst some of my more like acquaintance like not even inner circle of friends like friends that are acquaintances but not quite like friend friends a lot of at least the girls post things like oh look at my boyfriend and i we're having so much fun and uh <laughs> selfies and this things is of a that heavy nature tangent. huh <laughs> sorry sorry and i i'm just saying i don't want to see that i really don't uh, yeah I just gotta I, feel for Wander because he keeps trying to divert this topic, and I just realized, like, yeah, like he is like talking about people saying to post less, and then immediately uh, there's a we're we're having a conversation about Facebook for three minutes, and he never like, made it past the first sentence. I, <laughs> sorry, I literally. <laughs> I'm just saying that there are circumstances in which too I, much is yeah. too much, but I, at the same time, like you can pare that down yourself. And okay, so I'm, I'm gonna go back to this, but and but for you guys, you depend upon your sh sh multitude of videos to get views. Yes. Um, I mean, it I'm is literally afraid. how we eat food and pay yeah. rent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, in this case. so I I've been I've been stalking your uh, Reddit comments recently, Keith, just because it's kind of fun <laughs> to see like what you stalking. respond to because you usually respond to the stuff I'm interested in reading ish. As opposed to, like, fluff. Uh, I'm specifically referring to... Oh, yeah, I go to, to... reddit.com slash let's play, and I j or r slash let's play, and I just sort by new, and basically just tell everyone why they're an idiot all day. <laughs> uh, it's um, rough because it's the same questions every day. Every yeah. day. But so, a lot of people specifically have been uh, asking, like, how many, should, how many episodes should I upload... Or, like, every once in a while I'll just come across your comment saying, like, yeah, I put up this many videos. And people are like, how do you do that? Or, like, why do you do that? Or you shouldn't do that. It's the it's the age-old game theorist, don't yeah. go above X number of uh, videos There's the problem day. where, yeah, MatPat makes a video and it's literally just him interpreting data. and some And even having an element of confirmation bias where he's only looking at specific samples of data specifically related to him and drawing his own conclusions based on a narrative wouldn't and it's all 
inherently not super conclusive because none of his videos are that conclusive. He just wants to put them out there, and that's what he does, which is fine. But then the know. entire Let's Play community starts quoting everything he says like it's actual law and fact of how the mechanics of YouTube work, which Wait, is weird. Matt uh, is, is the... He's called the Game Theorist. He comes up with, like, oh, random theories. Oh, I see. For, like, I yeah. think I've heard of him before. He's, yeah. yeah, it's the but Game yeah, Theory I... channel, and he he created, he invented this concept. As far as I can tell, he made it up the concept himself of, like, the idea of subscriber burn. Just suggesting that if you upload too many videos, you, you your subscribers basically disappear over time or stop watching videos forever. Well, some people do get annoyed by oh, yeah. constant notifications, I, and then... I have, well... Then I mean, might. part of it is, like, there are ways to sort your, uh, your YouTube, like, subscription feed. Like, people talk about how I'm spamming, whereas, like, from my perspective, I have every channel ordered from, like, how often I watch them, and they have their own row. So I don't actually even see spam. It would be spam. nice if you, if you want to look at someone's channel, then you know that they have this kind of output every day, therefore... You don't need to get notifications for every single one. You decide yourself to visit their channel to see if there's anything new. Like, I suppose the reason why the subscriber system might be difficult for some is because if they're subscribing to several people as opposed to just a couple well, of favorites, it, then they could definitely... Issue, it's an issue specifically because there are two YouTube layouts. There's mm -hmm. the one I described, and then there's the just straight-up Facebook feed, which is the problem. Because from my perspective, I don't have to worry about it. And from these perspe people's perspective, me putting out 10 videos a day is a legitimate problem, especially because half of them are only subscribed for, you know, one series. And there's not much yeah. I can do about that f apart from just being like, hey, I mean, I can't help you. Huh. It would be an like, interesting uh, thing if someone is subscribed to a playlist. Yeah. Could, couldn't they try to conceivably uh, you, you do something do like that? You can do that, actually. It's For a long time, I actually wished that I could subscribe to YouTube channels, but then unsubscribe from specific playlists. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. Because, like, um, I watched, like, like I would, of course, watch, like, Rooster Teeth since I was much, much younger. And, uh, like, they would add new shows to their channel over time, and I would not care about a lot of them, basically. But there's no way to filter those kinds of things out. Or, like, if you watch, like, say... The League of Super Cricket Critics or whatever, which would be like Nostalgia Critic and Spoonie mm. or something, or I don't know how I, I lost track of how many names are on there at this point. But like, maybe you don't really want to say watch the show about like how like there's a show called Needs More Gay and there's the comic book guy and like maybe you only are care about two of the shows on this channel and that's totally a thing that like is a weird lack of functionality on the website because it it would be kind of useful. <laughs> But yeah, I, I tried to explain to this people to people before because I actually did an episode of Q and A with the side of Minecraft where I discussed this exact topic for like an hour, and mm -hmm. it's just a basic logistical issue where you have to find an equilibrium here because people want you to play all these different games like the upcoming No Man's Sky or uh, Mankind Divided and all these other games as they come out, but mm -hmm. games are long. Like if you play them a half an hour at a time. Some of these games are episodes upon episodes upon episodes. Like, I'm on my way to my 200th episode of Witcher 3. And Ooh, so, yeah. if you were well, doing one episode per day, then what? I play Witcher 3 for almost a year and no other games on my channel ever? Like, that's <laughs> that's the suggestion of that that thing they people do. And when someone says make one video a day, period, they're saying, oh, no. like, they don't think about it. But you're going to be stuck playing one game 
forever, basically, and ignore every other game you could possibly be playing. And that's that's a problem in multiple reasons. One, because that person doesn't speak for everyone. A lot of people are totally cool with the amount of videos coming out. And also, people already only choose one game or another or these three games, but not those six games and stuff like that. Like, people already only want to watch certain shows and don't care about other shows. Like, this is a podcast that itself is a thing that a whole chunk of of each of our audiences doesn't themselves care about. So, mm-hmm. if you randomly the more you pare yourself down to only what doing one or two things the more you increase the chance that you're just uploading stuff that no one cares about because you're only watching well, uploading two things and neither of those are the thing are the things people want to see well and then also you guys who are very dependent upon your views to get the ad revenue in order to keep yourselves afloat it would almost make sense to cast a wider net than be specialized and risk not having the cumulative views account for enough like unless you're just a megastar and one video out a day gets thousands and thousands of views then sure you can afford to put out one video a day but if you're everyone else have to put out more videos to get those couple thousands and also just to cover things like all Mm -hmm. the counterpoints of channels that play games but only do a couple videos a day or no or like one video a day or one or three videos a week or something like that you're usually talking to people like game grumps where they'll play one game for like four months sometimes and that's like their that's their output more or less or you're talking about people like pewdiepie or markiplier or kriken where uh Kraken will play, yeah, like, one game for months on end. PewDiePie and Markiplier, by and large, they usually make, like, one video for the game and then move on forever. No, it's just, like, highlights of them playing, which totally makes sense, but from, like, for what Keith and I do, which are generally full playthroughs, like, it's impossible. Like, if I wanted to do a full playthrough of I Am Setsuna, on top of meeting the demand for Fallout, Kingdom, and Scrap Mechanic on my channel, like, if I did want to do a day, what would it be? Would it be one scrap mechanic a day plus the occasional something else? Because that's my most popular thing. Also, things would it like, be like one of it, each. You couldn't edit down to one highlight video. Oh yeah, absolutely not. Sort of. If and you, I mean, if you wanted with to all the things the that people want you to, you to see you play on your channel on a regular basis, you'd basically have to to keep up with the all the new games coming out and all the ones people want. If you only want to do one video a day, you'd have to basically play every single game forever for exactly three episodes and stop forever and that'd be the entire series for every game because Mm -hmm. that's that's how you keep your output low is you just don't cover games to any extensiveness but there's an inherent sort of hypocrisy here or maybe it's not because maybe that person is isn't one of those people but like it's definitely a fact that there are people who on both of our channels like the fact that i'm 200 episodes into witcher and you're uh, almost 200 episodes into Scrap Mechanic and want us to play those games extensively, but also like other things existing besides that, and that's that's why all those videos exist. Well, and, hmm. and it's a total wonder, arbitrary line to try to figure out where your limit should be. I wonder then if it is more advantageous to play shorter games than longer games. It is. Or like it's roguelikes actually, in your case. No. Well, sort of. The problem with like roguelikes, for example, is it's a very limited genre. So well, if you're... they can also go on forever if you decide to do endless runs. Whereas well, but the problem a game is that's like only if, 10 hours long... If a roguelike... If I don't get any new roguelikes, suddenly I'm kind of stuck. Like, I love Northern Lions content, but... Ultimately, the guy mainly plays a couple of games because... 
the alternatives in the market suck. Yeah. Like, really and there's badly. just the issue of like, yeah, like shorter games are easier to get through quickly and not have them stack up. Like I, when Abzu came out, I played the entire thing in one sitting, and then I uploaded all the episodes the next day as just one continuous playthrough that people could watch in one day. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that was that's convenient when you can just burn through a thing and it's over. The same thing happened when like uh, Inside came out, and when I decided to play Portal, it's like I just played through the entire thing in one sitting and it's over. I'm like, well, this is. That was easy as a ske- as far as oh, scheduling that's recordings an interesting go. Concept too. Um, I know that Wander in particular, if he's recorded a series, he has his quote unquote backlog, and yeah. he makes sure to only upload one or two episodes at most of a series, even if he has considerably more. Whereas you just mentioned that you released all of Abzu at once, as opposed to staggered it. That's Did you find that the exception that act- basically? Did like I like having daily uploads for basically everything. I can't. It's not find... possible to know. No. You'd have to uh, somehow have the exact same audience cloned onto two different channels, and then upload the same game in two different formats to be able to actually have data over which one does better in that context. Because Abzu itself is a different game from every other game I upload, so then I can't t- I can't gauge if it gets more or less views from being all at once or over the course of a week because I can't say how well it would have performed otherwise because well, it only happened once and well, it's different. Well, this is something. So how well it's does a diving like, the game. first... How well does the first vid- video do in comparison to every subsequent video after Oh, it's a well-known fact that Let's Plays the first episode and the finale are the most viewed episodes of the entire series every time. Hmm. Once so you just you give it some time. The drop-off was less severe because the people that watched episode one immediately could go to episode two rather than wait a day or find it on someone else's channel? Uh, it's kind of immeasurable, honestly. Yeah, it's... It's like... It, every game's different too much fickle. to know, honestly. Yeah. Like but like, here's the thing, Shell, on the earlier... Be... On like the earlier okay. topic of like... Uh, you brought up like the idea of like why don't we just play these short games then because it's more convenient for scheduling. The problem becomes what when, what about when your channel's famous for not playing short games, <laughs> which is exactly the kind of hole that we've both fallen down in our own, own different ways, intentional or not, or pretty intentional in my case. But, like Wander's played hundreds of episodes of various roguelikes and is hundreds of episodes of uh, scrap mechanic. I play RPGs. Like there's not. I play weird, like, exceptions to the rule, like Inside well, and Absu, so but, like, I, the difference, the difference I play with RPGs. That, though, the difference with that, though, is your RPGs have a conceivable beginning and end, and they have yeah. a plot that goes throughout. Whereas he, if he really wanted to, he could stop playing any of the roguelikes yeah. at any time, because there isn't an overarching plot he would have to worry about. It was just so, meant to be a response to you saying, like, oh, why, why not just play shorter games if it's more convenient? And I'm saying, like, that's... My channel's built around not that type I'm of game, not, really. I'm not saying you should. I'm just saying it, I wonder if it is advantageous to some. It, well, it's actually more advantageous just baseline yeah. YouTube to do short stuff and whatever. But that's ultimately... Yeah, if, if I wanted to truly maximize my growth on YouTube, I would more or less follow the PewDiePie highlight short games, wide variety, trying to get as many SEO hits as possible. And yep. I'd hate that. And we know a lot That's of channels that work too. that way. Yeah. Like, have you found that there have been people that have been successful releasing an older series versus just continuously chasing after the next new game? Well, I mean, I'd say I'm successful largely in that way. Like, if I chase for all only the new games, 
Uh, I think I'd get bored really fast. But I do do that. Uh, Game Grumps specifically chases its a lot of its series and just kind of moves on randomly, but they play mostly old games, too. Um, yeah, they literally just... Uh, you can even hear the beginnings of episodes of Game Grumps where they b- just admit that they just grabbed something off the shelf and don't even know what it is. Yeah. And, like, that's <laughs> how they run their channel, which is exciting and fun, but also, like, there's almost Wait, no commitment so to it. Just- Give them a game and they put it on their massive shelf and they're just basically like, yeah. Oh, we'll they have a PO box a and people date. sent them hundreds of games. And then it pays to be anywhere famous. from like Barbie they, to that's why they wait. They have played Barbie games. I loved yeah. my Barbie games when I was young. Detective Barbie. I wouldn't recommend watching their played, Barbie playthroughs. They played Bratz. Uh, <laughs> the the thing my about, one friend had Bratz dolls, and they were amusing. The thing about their playthroughs is they're about as low of reverent, re, uh, reverence as you can possibly get. Well, I can understand if I went back to play them now. I mean, the thing about the Barbie games that was hilarious is that she actually had pre-recorded, uh, a pre-recorded phrase for every single name that they could think of. So I could find my name, and Barbie would, you know, be in a terrifying situation, you know... A, a, a shadowy figure had just walked about. Uh, she was a regular Cosworth, the, <laughs> and she'd be like, "Oh no! Look at that figure, Michelle! It's so terrifying!" <laughs> and it's just like, ah. Uh, so here's here's they, the funny thing is that nowadays with <laughs> with bigger budgets and bigger scale and everything, like Fallout Four tried to do the same thing with its with Codsworth. It'll try to say your name out loud, and uh, Keith was not on the list. Wait, Keith wasn't? Yeah, Keith wasn't no. on the list, but Fuckface He wouldn't face say Keith. He would say Fuckface, and he would say uh, all sorts of, like, meme stupid joke names. But so many basic names were not on the list, including including yeah, Keith. <laughs> you see, the Barbie one, it was all, like, pre-recorded, so there were a limited number, and it was all done in the same voice, the same high-pitched, hi, kind I, of I voice. actually, like, console-commanded my character... I use the console command to bring back up the special book that oh, that's at the beginning of the game to customize your character to change my name on it so that he, to Sebastian, so at least he would say my name. <laughs> oh, so he could actually say Sebastian. Yeah, I had to hack him and basically hack the NPC into just acknowledging me properly. It's such an obnoxiously long list of names, too, and they don't have like some shockingly basic ones, but then, which makes it really dumb when you notice all the really stupid names they did include as a joke. And they never mm-hmm. got around to, like, so many just regular-ass names. <laughs> that but was it one of those... Was it one of those bizarre robots that actually tries to sound out things? Or was it... it no, it had a straight-up, like, British dude voice name. Like, it was just a yeah. voice. But what about yeah. inflection? Unless it was a robot, no, so no, it no, had the this same... Is not it, it was a full they human voice. Dude. It was just a normal huh. human voice talking... It's like, so like how uh, did they make the name flow like Wheatley with the from Portal Two. He talked I, like Wheatley the, from Portal Two, like that kind of like it's just a character type, vo- type a voice. Very real possibility that like he's just saying the whole line or something. It's not that he says your name often. Now there's someone I, in chat saying Keith's a normal name. I've never heard that name ever in my life. I'm like, oh, you sweet summer child. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are definitely names that like fall out of favor, and I'm not saying that Keith isn't a dinosaur's name. But I remember when you're I was definitely little, a dying breed. When I was little, I really liked the names Kyle and Keith, and I then I end up with a Carl. So there's a hockey what? player with my exact name. 
Like there's just there's just an actual hockey player named Keith Ballard, <laughs> and there's Toby Keith and Keith David and all that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, question. Seeing as you actually are like glib with your last name, has anybody ever actually like bothered to find you? Um, no. From your audience? Huh. Fair enough. They haven't even really found like even like the most easy things like I've never seen acknowledgement of them of anyone in my audience finding like websites I frequented in the past even I think my my issue is that as an illustrator I'm going to have to have my real name out there pretty much and then you get the weirdos uh... and you get moments like how Boogie was like I opened the door and I didn't have my gun and it was such a mistake oh my god I could have been in so much trouble which what? I think was a real yeah he opened his door to a, someone that turned out to be like a fan and he was panicking about the fact that he didn't have his gun with him. And, like, he could have been in serious danger because someone found him at his house. Uh, I think it was Boogie. I'm pretty sure. I see. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Boogie. I know, I know, um, Gassy Mexican had a kid, uh, that wanted Gassy and company to take him to, um, what was it? What's the, what's the cult, uh, Whoa. movie where, uh, Rocky Horror Pictures show? There we go. Oh. Okay. Uh, fan wanted Gassy Mexican and company to take him to Rocky Horror Picture Show with them. Oh, yeah, super creepy. Well, I mean, didn't didn't a YouTube celebrity of some kind like die this year, like being killed yeah. by their so fans? She got shot, Chris, but she had like Christina Grimmie. She, she had a concert, so like, it's not that she was like shot in this quote unquote safety of her own home. This is like right, it'd be right. like if what, Star Bomb got attacked. What yeah, on, with on her tour. Is she? She would stream uh, covers and then her own unique songs on YouTube. And then she went on The Voice. And uh, I think the team she was put on was Adam Levine's, uh, a.k.a. Maroon 5. So, I mean, she got really big that way. And even after the competition, I don't know if she won or if she was one of the runner-ups. I think she was a close runner-up, perhaps. But, uh, you know, most of the people that go on American Idol have at least a short stint on their own but i think she was doing better than most because she had already had her youtube fan base and everything else and yeah supposedly this this creep had expressed to his uh his um co-workers that yo she's gonna be my wife someday and oh no i, lo I love her and blah blah and so i suppose i mean was... those people are real mm -hmm. yep they have a surprisingly somebody... short threshold. I think Wonder and I both have had one or more people now that have been, like, so had kind of they... obsessive over an entirely one-way imagined relationship. I had somebody you... in chat. There was chat a person a, trying to what, imitate me. Well, there, yeah, there was somebody <laughs> there was... pretending to be Shell. Well, not Shell, but Wander's fiance. Uh, yeah, I actually had somebody who, not knowing Girl Shell friend. existed apparently. She, she, oh, my she bad. had said girlfriend, and then <laughs> well, people I mean, were like, "You must be wrong." I have no because idea. I actually you were, had somebody. You would know that he's engaged. I had somebody in chat. I want to say about half an hour ago. Wanderbot's view or something. Bo. Yeah, um, they tried saying a couple of things like "Wander, I love you," and I was like, I'm "Not going to respond to that." I mean, I think, I think you hurt, I think you might remember me complaining in the past about, like, a, someone who used to show up to my streams all the time. Yes. And they would just be, like, Keith, friend, all the time. Like, we're talking about, like, back when we were playing, like, uh, Black Desert. They mm -hmm. kept talking like they were, like, an old friend of mine from high school and kept, like, being weirdly buddy and, like, with their language for no reason. And I've never, 
like I don't know who they are and it was like it was too weird because they they were like why why it's like they 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 would act like a friend that you're neglecting and not inviting to uh, into your group things enough and stuff like that and I'm like why why is this attachment developing it's a it's a thing where okay, you, it's apparently it was Waterbots Bay but like still <laughs> but they said they're still here no they're not they. <laughs> Are I just checked. Still. They're not still here. Mm-hmm. So it's a uh, it's something I've actually heard about from Game Grumps before. Is this idea where like uh like Aaron Hansen's talked about the concept of having going to a con and having a fan encounter them at the con, and they're really oh, happy yeah. well, to see them. That they're but security. then, well, I mean, like the fan shows that shows up and they encounter them, and the fan's super happy to see them and everything. But then they like get into like arms reach and they kind of panic. Because that's the moment where it finally dawns on them, perhaps, like the realization that, like, while you have heard this person talk a lot and have associated a lot with their personality and you feel like you relate to them a lot, you suddenly, it dawns on you in the middle of the con that, like, but I've never met them before, actually. And so then you, when you're about to say something to this person, you can't think of anything. And so oh, when like, well, isn't that so when people when meet people like celebrity? Aaron, what they end up doing is they just start shouting his jokes and his and his quotes at him over and over again because they don't know how to they don't know how to start a conversation and they're just like uh uh this is the thing I associate with you and they just start shouting like lines from his animations at him and stuff like that and it goes a little too long and it never goes to a conversation because they they panic and that's that's what happens <laughs> like that's well, well what's been interesting is whenever I had met with celebrities like specifically voice actors at conventions usually i'm in some massive suit of armor so yeah. i remember i had met johnny on bosch who was the black power ranger in the original mighty morphin movie but also voices a ton of anime characters and so i go up to him and i'm like oh you know i watched you since i was a kid and stuff and you know it's fun to meet you and he's like oh wow you're dressed up as samus i absolutely love metroid and stuff i want a picture with you and it's like yay so we got pictures together, and he signed my Power Rangers merch. So I don't, I don't know. Like I would, I would just hope that people would approach them and be like, "Yeah, I'm a real fan of your work. You're an inspiration to me." Well, that, that I think that the difference there is that you haven't been exposed to. I mean, constant I think the interaction. Raptor, I think the ego raptor thing is like that's probably still going to be the standout thing. It's not going to be the norm. Yeah, it, well, it's, it's the people get, that get obsessed, basically. Yeah. Like, the difference with you is you just met somebody that, like, oh, yeah, you know you know what they did, and you've seen them and stuff, but, like, at the same You're time, it's kind of different. You're not them every day. Well, yeah, it's, yeah. it's different to see, like, like, oh, they played a character in a voice role. That was, they did a good job, is very different from, like, they literally talk about stuff for hours on end on a thing I watch, and I feel like I'm part of their life, which is what kind of happens in the YouTube setting. That's and it leads to thing. these one-way, it leads to these one-way relationships, where one person gets really attached sometimes, and the other person has never met them before or had a conversation with them, and it's never, there's no reciprocation involved there, and it leads to a, this rough thing where you kind of can't even acknowledge it, even when it gets creepy or weird, because if you, if you ever in any way deny any element of this it immediately takes this dark turn where it's like this elitism where now they think that oh you think you're better yeah. than us and that you're above us because you can't I, deal with us it's like no it's just i don't well, i just don't know you man what's I, interesting is uh i mean i think 
I the only thing fan. that chat really knows about me are my weird encounters with various animals. I think. And by weird yeah. encounters, I mean like well, the raccoon no. that died in the I mean, tree like, because it was too fat. People and the latch onto anything. And... But like, I actually uh, came across a comment from one of my fans mm -hmm. uh, talking about how uh, how I was such a like stuck up jerk and like already an elitist and whatever uh, because you know just because I've managed to achieve some level of success on YouTube, and I'm just like. I, I mean, you're right, and you're wrong, because most of it's just, like... <laughs> it's mostly I, a logistical problem of, I you can't meet all these people. Yes. You just can't. Like, we're uh, streaming right now, and your stream has 87 people. Imagine mm -hmm. that. Like, in high school, if you had to deal with three classrooms of people merged into one room, and they're all looking at you, like, mm -hmm. how do you... How do you interact with all those people? <laughs> and how do you do it when they keep changing? Because it's not even... That's not the grand total of your entire fan base. That's literally like a specific group that's here right now, and they will circle out and be different people tomorrow to some extent. And you have to keep track of all these names and all these personalities. And often, like you, you can't know all these people socially. People don't function that way. And so it's like it's it's not like it's not like we think we're above anyone or that we you like you don't deserve to be in our let's plays or anything. It's like we're just trying to do the thing. It's a, it's a weird I'm thing. We're trying we're, to we're pay just... the bills so that I can yeah. move out of my parents' basement. Like it's it's a weird <laughs> um, thing where like they they came here and subscribed for one thing, and all we want to do is just continue doing the thing that they wanted us to do in the first place. But then they start adding additional expectations onto that in a weird way sometimes. When it really we're just we just want to keep doing the thing that was why they're here in the first place, and that's not enough for people sometimes because of the weird relationship that starts forming in their heads. It's... I just want to go back to the whole, like, one video a day thing. If I did that, judging by, like, how many um, views I get on a video, I'd probably not be able to move out until I was at, like, a couple hundred thousand subscribers. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I, talk in, I talk in our Slack group that's with some of the larger YouTubers we've met that are way larger than us. And sometimes they're baffled by the concept that, like, I have some level of financial independence... I, when I only have twenty thousand subscribers, I I looked it up and I like I um I think we talked about this a little bit last podcast, but like I get I'm actually getting close to matching uh, the completionist in terms oh, yeah. of like just making basic a lot of videos revenue. is no joke. Like if you ever guys, if you ever watch some show that makes like weekly videos or biweekly videos or one video a month, and they ever talk about needing financial support to keep doing what they're doing, they're not joking. Because holy yeah. shit, they do not bring in views, and people watching their videos is what bring is what uh, makes their them make money in the first place. And those channels, while their individual videos may do exceptionally well with your V sauces and what like not like it, they're high production, very carefully edited and scripted, like impressive content in many cases. But because they're infrequent due to how long they take to make, those people oftentimes don't make a profit, and they often actually. Despite why yeah. you like, you might even think that they work at that thing full time, and actually, it's their side hobby because they can't physically support themselves off that super famous one million subscribers channel that you know them for. That's it's weird. Sick. YouTube's weird. None of it works the way you think it does. None of it works the way I think it does. None of us know what we're talking about. Stop listening Some to us. <laughs> somebody brought up uh, Quill eighteen on okay. how he will like add his. 
uh, subscribers' names on the like in the game, like uh, XCOM and stuff. I used to do that with um, Darkest Dungeon, and I, I stopped did that with, with Darkest, Darkest Dungeon and XCOM. Yeah, I I actually stopped with Darkest Dungeon. Now I only take creative naming suggestions because people were actively abusing me for not using their character enough, or uh, getting mad at me because I killed the character off too soon, and I was like. What? Uh. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got lucky and there. Like, I for me, it was just people. The worst thing that would that, and it wasn't even really that bad of a thing, is that the worst thing that would happen is just people uh, repeatedly requesting to be have their name in the game was pretty much oh. the, like like that's yeah. all that would really happen. Uh, no one ever. I never had drama about how I used people's characters or anything. I had one amazing day where this character named this guy someone down there has a youtube channel named like vanilla or something like that and in my comment feed like i i named a character vanilla took them on a mission and then uh literally the next episode they died and then one day i opened my comment feed and i just saw vanilla's comments like and they were like a few they're like a week late to even watching the episodes <laughs> two consecutive comments in my comment feed were yay and no <laughs> 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 they watch the tiny lifespan of the character named after them. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, you can you can have fun with community actual interaction like oh, that, yeah. but it's just sometimes the community itself will ruin it, <laughs> especially if they're jealous, like because they're the one that didn't get picked about something. Yeah, that's, I, that's I rough. Had a number of people that were were crabbing at me because they didn't get a character named in uh, Guild of Dungeoneering. I still get yeah. comments on Guild of Dungeoneering because I think I still show up in the search results for it. People asking to be in the series, and I'm like, uh, I'm no longer making the series anymore. Uh, that series has been over for a year now. <laughs> yeah, there's a thing where small small kids, like siblings, will have like they'll get popsicles or whatever, and like one of them will be slightly different shaped and maybe slightly longer, and the other one will immediately be <laughs> like, why why didn't I get that one? That's not fair. Oh, for don't me, don't do, don't treat your YouTuber that way if you like them. Don't. For me, when I was like when we're we're little, dealing with I, so many people, just be happy that any of this is working at all. Tighten that. Like we're tr <laughs> like just accept that like we're trying to bring people in and don't ruin it by immediately being like, but that person lived longer or got a better gun or got their name spelled out slightly differently. Like just don't. Like yeah. this we're trying we're, we're doing some we're trying to do something nice and you're immediately actually, ruining it. <laughs> I actually went back and checked and it's like I killed off most of my most dedicated subscribers in like the first go and I felt really bad about it because the people that <laughs> lived never showed back up again they were like a one time person and I was just like huh oh yeah that's super so, that's, that's, that's the one funny thing is this yeah about the whole popsicle situation I I was terrible as a child when it came to colors I absolutely loved purple and I always felt slighted if someone else got something that was purple and it was oh, the no. exact same thing that I got and you monster. mine was like yellow or orange and I'd be like <laughs> literally the opposite color from purple why couldn't I get green or blue why did it have to be yellow <laughs> I know I I think there were a couple of occasions where I was upset about it and cried a little bit as a child and then they ended up giving me the purple thing but then I realized I shouldn't do that anymore because that was just being selfish and maybe someone else wanted a purple something and you realize you eventually realize just how pointless it is at some point of like, <laughs> wow, I was getting really emotional over something that 
doesn't even slightly matter. <laughs> well, and so I remember when I was doing like summer camps, uh, teaching uh, children with disabilities and stuff about, um, oh, what was it? Building little starships and other fun things. And uh, so the teachers are like, yay, you know, we have this pack of different colored things. And I was just thinking to myself, oh, no, no, they're different colors. And sure enough, some of the kids were like, I want the green one. No, I want the <laughs> green one. And then they were fighting over it. And it's just like, oh, no. I mean, I think that's, that's, people that's probably still a place to cut it, actually. Yeah, actually. I was I, like, I, I, I had a glance at the camera. And I'm like, uh, wow, it's been two hours. Yeah, we've been talking for a while. I'm like, <laughs> I don't mind this, but at the same time, ooh. it's because we, we fell down the rabbit hole of talking shop. Yeah, well, <laughs> we just start even, talking about yeah, the thing is, we do. It is that, <laughs> and wait, not any guys, of the games we play. You guys can't possibly tell me that you haven't fought over what color your character is in a board game, computer game, no. anything. No, don't give a when shit. When I was a when I was a child. It, it mattered to me in Monopoly if I couldn't have the Scotty dog or the top hat, but like, like as, as, as an a, adult, I'll usually ask for purple or blue, and then if I don't, but if somebody else got it, I'll just grab one of the other colors and move on with my life. <laughs> right. Granted, right. I have days of the week sometimes where we sit down and we play like 10 tabletop games in one day because we have like group gatherings for that stuff, so. Oh, neat. I would be actively a problem for my entire community of friends if I was being ardent about colors that I get to play in a game. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, so, as a side note, uh, Bird and I sat down a few days ago and we, uh, we both watched Suicide Squad, the new mm -hmm. DC movie, and uh, we both hated it. Neither of us recommend it in any slight capacity, and we think it's a horrible garbage movie. So, if you'd like to hear about our opinions of that at all, we did that as a sort of a side thing. Uh, it's about an hour and 15 minute discussion, because we actually... We start off with some basic opinion stuff, but it, it, uh, after a few minutes it turns into a full spoiler cast of just discussing significant details and how all the things that are wrong with this movie. Uh, if you want to see that... Uh, on my channel or birds, it's a separate video. On Wanderbot's channel, I believe it's about to play like right now after this podcast. <laughs> this is going to be a so, long video. So if you've been wondering why this up upload is like three and a half hours long, it's because the Suicide Squad uh, spoiler cast is coming up next. So if you're but on Wander's channel, stay tuned. Stay tuned so for if, that. <laughs> yeah. So if you're only watching this podcast for me, I'm sorry. Yeah. Probably watch it anyway. Watch the analytics graph for how long people watch and see it cut off right now <laughs> oh, on your I mean, channel. It stopped like 15 minutes. <laughs> All I know into is that my friends yeah. were complaining about oh, yeah. how Harley Quinn and when Joker's you... relationship wasn't what it should have been. Let's not Harley get Quinn into it. and Joker's uh, relationship has no reason to be in the film. <laughs> mm. It's it's not a good movie. Uh, it's a it's a it's to give you guys a, a vague primer of what kind of movie this is, and this is opinions that vary from what I actually said during the spoiler cast in like the detail here like I watched Man of Steel and I did not like Man of Steel but in that movie I came out just being like oh well that wasn't enjoyable like it wasn't a fun superhero movie but it also despite being kind of depressing and dark it wasn't like didn't give me like emotions or make me think about stuff it was just kind of dull because Zack Snyder doesn't have great range and doesn't make interesting movies oftentimes. No, this isn't that kind of bad movie. Uh, Suicide Squad is like Green Lantern bad, where you're baffled 
actively while watching it how bad and stupid every single <laughs> moment of it is for its entire uh, runtime. And you can ouch. just feel how 17 different people all change the film without talking to each other via, like, like was it those, those, those groups, the control groups, and, like, producers saying, people like this, so it has to be in the movie. And, like, none of it's, none of that, none of that movie, the final product that made the fi- to the film is not anyone's artistic vision. It is a disgusting product that 17 people wanted specific things to have happen. And the only people enjoying it are people that already decided to enjoy it beforehand. And I get I mean, the feeling a lot of those people are going to have, like, their their Star Wars, fan- the Phantom Menace realization down the line where they eventually, re- like, go back and look at it again and like, oh, no, I liked this when I was nine, but oh, no, I see all the problems now. I think it's one of those things, too, where, I mean, many of these films have a difficult enough time trying to handle one hero or one actor. You're still in podcast mode. We should be in podcast any mode. I just want to... <laughs> I just want to put on the brakes because this episode, this video is going to be far as long go on if we forever. keep talking movie. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, we, and we talked about the difference with the ensemble cast problem. Yeah. That that's definitely comes oh, up in the did? spoiler cast. Yeah. So yeah, we, yeah, okay. yeah, we covered Fine. that. It's cool. We we can talk right, about guys. movies that we've seen. So uh, thanks for watching, guys. Stick around if you want to see. Uh, uh, well, not the live audience, but the YouTube audience. Stick around <laughs> if you want to see the spoiler cast. Live audience, you guys are getting me for Kingdom. Uh, thanks for watching, like time. always. We'll yeah. see you next time. And give us questions. We like questions.